The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. 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 Hello, this is Zach Saber Jr., New Japan Cup winner 2018. And you're listening to Keeping It Strong Style with my mates. Enjoy. Yo, this is Rich Ladder from One Nation Radio. This is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. We present to you the Ace of Podcasts, keeping it strong style. Let's go. It's the Ace of Podcasts, keeping it strong style. Covering New Japan, they ready to hold it down. Jeremy Donovan and the young boy Josh. Come and hit a job out in Barrio the Frost. From Tokyo Dome over to the G1. Social Suplex is the network where we can get it done. I'm a chiller. And let them have it Cause this is just an intro Keeping the strong style Six stars from the get go Boy Yeah from Tampa Bay To the Tokyo Dome This is keeping it strong style With your host Jeremy Donovan And the young boy Joshua Smith And thank you for listening Welcome to Keeping It Strong Style, the ace of podcasts on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Jeremy Donovan here alongside the young boy, Josh Smith. On today's show, we have a special interview for you, as well as covering all the latest news in the world of New Japan Pro Wrestling. You can support our show by subscribing to the Social Suplex Podcast Network on the podcast app of your choice and leaving a rating and review. You can also get all the podcasts and columns at socialsuplex.com. Go to socialsuplex.com slash subscribe to sign up to get the podcast and columns delivered directly to your email inbox. Also, make sure to check out our friends at purezuroad.com. Our buddy Mike Grindle has a lot of great Purezu content on that site. Also, our podcast is featured on there. And like I mentioned, we are going to cover all the latest news uh, for this week. But before we get to the news, we have a special interview for you guys. This past Saturday, we got to uh, interview Chris Charlton. Yeah, we did, and that was it, it was awesome. Um, we're definitely going to on this episode, you know, bring you guys the latest news and go over the latest topics and stories. We'll definitely give you guys our reactions to what it was like to sit down with Chris and chat with him. But we don't want to waste any time here, so we're going to bring you guys right into the interview, and then we'll be back. Thank you for listening to Keeping It Strong Style. Jeremy Donovan here with the young boy, Josh Smith, and we have a very special guest for you today. He has provided translations on Japanese wrestling via his Twitter, at RaisinJP, along with intricate story details on matches and feuds to help fans worldwide bypass the language barrier. In 2015, he released his first book, Lion's Pride, The Turbulent History of New Japan Pro Wrestling. And then this past June, he released his second book, Eggshells, Pro Wrestling in the Tokyo Dome. And you might have seen him on commentary for the G1 Climax 28 with Kevin Kelly and Rocky Romero. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, our guest today is Chris Charlton. Chris, welcome to the show. Hi, that was a great, very fantastic introduction. Very grandiose. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, thank you. Yeah, Jeremy, Jeremy's our introduction guy. He does it every show, and I just sit here like a doof and just wait for him to <laughs> wait for him to get through it. Right, right, right. It's like the the podcasting etiquette of like you're not allowed to speak until <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. It could be anybody's first episode. You know. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I just want to thank you again for um, coming on the podcast. Big fans of yours and your work that you've done uh, for you know kind of. Japanese wrestling and kind of, you know, helping, you know, Westerners 
uh, kind of understand what's going on in Japanese Just making wrestling. it more accessible for the internet wrestling community. Mm. You know, yeah, it's, it's hard for people. They don't, you know, they don't know how to act. We still get questions all the time. How do I get access to this stuff? And, you know, a lot of times we will be like follow reason at reason JP because you'll get a lot more insight into this stuff for sure. Right. I feel like we mentioned your Twitter, Twitter handle on every show. Almost. <laughs> Thanks very much. That's a uh, brand building for me. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's awful, isn't it? You know, you don't, you never want to feel like uh, you have a brand <laughs> in inverted comments, but I guess we all do. These days. Not me. I'm trying to have a big brand. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I want big brands to pay me money to, <laughs> to do things. We always joke about like how we're ready to sell out. We're trying to finesse so that someone will pay us to do this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just like casually advertise stuff until yes. they send you things. Yeah. Uh, so Chris, when we have a uh, new guest on the show, we kind of like to find out oh, yes. when they start watching new Japan and like their favorite wrestlers and stuff. So let's start like when and how did you start watching new Japan pro wrestling? Um, New Japan, I would have started probably like around 2000, 2001 or so, I guess. Um, yeah, so like my relationship with, with wrestling is, is strange or probably different to you guys because I'm British. And um, I was born a little bit too late to catch the British wrestling boom. So like World of Sport had already finished, but we got like WCW and a little bit of WWF on um, ITV for a bit. And then when that deal finished, uh, everything was on satellite TV. Um, so, and you know, I grew up without those resources. You know, we had uh, flat out regular TV, which, um, you know, date myself and say that we had four channels growing up on TV <laughs> to choose from. Um, so like there, there really wasn't anything. And then I sort of came back into it like most people did during the Attitude Era. Um, but I came through it really through my brother because uh, he'd left home and then did get access to all of that, you know, satellite TV goodness. Um, so he'd bring back like uh, WWF tapes uh, to show me to watch. And it would be that, but then he'd start bringing the other stuff, you know. So uh, I started getting into ECW, probably just right around ECW folded. Um, I, you know, was going back and, and watching like tapes and uh, I guess a few DVDs at that point. Um and uh yeah every every now and then my brother would come over with with tapes that he tape traded and uh like so many people of of my generation of fan like uh what got me into new japan was the 94 super j cup which uh yeah i would have watched on some rainy afternoon in 2000 or 2001 um and that's what got me started that's what it got everybody said like everybody of a certain generation um you know i'm chatted with Kushida a while back um and he was telling he was asking me oh, what, what got you into this product on new japan and i said you know 94 super j cup and he's like sort of half size <laughs> everybody says that but it, it, it's true like everybody says 94 super j cup right yeah you hear that a lot you hear like the either like the juniors like the 90s juniors or like for a lot of american fans you hear like the death matches yeah it's it's that yeah it's that or the other the thing, yeah, I think um, yeah, I made that point in in my book as well. Yeah, like the the '94 Super J Cup 
it's the 94 Super J Cup and like 95, like IWA King of the Death Match, right? That the that became uh, sort of viral. For the, you know, I mean, they were viral content before yes. viral content existed. Yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah, you'd see like the the pictures of like Sasuke with all these belts. You're like, what is that? Or you see yeah. Cactus's bloody face and you're like, what is that? Yeah, 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 right. Well, that's awesome. Um, and then who, as far as like, um, you know, when it comes to Pro, like who's your favorite performers and wrestlers, you know, in your fandom, I guess, just personally? Um. Throughout everything, I mean, like it's it's easy to to throw a nod to like the the obvious big names, but um, the the people that I really enjoy are perhaps one tier below, I guess. And you know, I think like Muto is is always a favorite of mine, but like you know, he was always a, a top top star, and, and Hashimoto as well in in New Japan. Um, but it's like the the slight, uh, in, especially when it comes to like nineties New Japan, and then like into the early two thousands, it's like the the slight one tier beneath, you know. So um, Hiroshi Hase, uh, who is a, a greatly sort of under underrated performer, um, and you know, I mean, although he was, you know, he was a champion, he was a main eventer, he was a top guy, but not quite um, as legendary as as I think the Three Musketeers were. But like Kensuke Sasaki. Yep. Um, who like really informs to to new fans um, who like your Tomohiro Ishii and, and everything like that and and guys like that. Um, you know, Kensuke Sasaki uh, so, uh, you know, informed uh, people like Ishii so much. You know, um, it was interesting. Like I saw, I was rewatching for uh, a for you know, there's I do a podcast companion to the Eggshells book, um, yes, which goes up on on post wrestling. Mm. And uh, I, we were covering 2000 a couple of episodes ago, um, or, you know, I think we were recording that episode. It's not, it's not up yet. But uh, so I was rewatching for that show, I was rewatching Tenryu versus Sasaki in the Dome, which was January yeah. uh, uh, 4th, 2000, I want to say. I was actually going to uh, ask you about that since you brought Sasuke. I was like, I was like how about Tenryu and him? <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. And, and watching like Tenryu and Sasaki and how like tenure was everything that encapsulated like the, the era of, of the sort of seventies, eighties, nineties, um, which was a very sort of angry style of wrestling and, and very much sort of, that's where you get that, that sort of psychopathic edge that you get in a Tomei Hiroshi. But like, is that the Showa era? Yeah, 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 and and that's a that's a good point to to come into where there is a a very distinct there's a big distinction between Showa wrestling and and Heisei wrestling, but um, like Ishii is is the the perfect um, combination of like a, the the Showa anger mm. with like the the Heisei smoothness, which is where uh, Kensuke Sasaki came in, and um, yeah, so the the Showa and Heisei eras. Um, to go off your point, are, are very much like, you know, a very sort of watershed moment in, in I guess, wrestling. But like, you know, people kind of look for that. Um, you know, show a, show a X and Hey Say Y because we have different emperors and like each emperor has an, has an era uh, that's attributed to them. And so like, because our um, current emperor is, is defecting, um, then like this is the last year of the of the heisei era so from next 
February, April, I think, um, we'll be starting a, uh, an entirely new era again. So uh, whether that changes uh, the, the course of, of art in general and wrestling in particular, I, I don't know. But there, there is very much like a, a clear distinction of like Showa wrestling and Heisei wrestling, which is a very interesting like philosophical discussion. Um, I don't know whether we have time for that on this podcast. But. Well, that'll be another podcast. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, speaking of like eras and time periods, do you have a favorite time period or year of New Japan? Of New Japan? Like, I almost think we're, we're living in that time now, you know? Yeah, um, yeah it's, it's really hard to think of another era where you have such consistent quality and depth like across the whole card um than what we've seen over the last uh three four five years and Mm -hmm. it's very not you know it's it's very easy to kind of reject that that philosophy i think you know because people tend to think we we need some distance from an era to be able to say oh that that was um you know that was a golden age or whatever um but i really think when we do have the distance from tanahashi from okada uh from all of those guys then then we'd i think we'd very definitely point to you know this sort of period of like you know 20 14 or so to now um where i don't think it's it's ever been as as good as as now you know um mm. so out of the the current guys wrestling right now who's your favorite to watch i know it's gonna be hard just to pick one <laughs> i mean i i think it, it just in general all around it's it's akada i think um I think like everybody else, I think Okada is, is, is just the perfect, you know, all, all of his, his little bit of everything is the perfect all rounder. I think where, um, you know, with someone like Naito, uh, who I, I love tremendously, but I, I love his charisma and his character with someone like Tanahashi, um, it's he's just he's so good at 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 being a sort of long form artist about at, at being a craftsman um and it's something you know it's it's so often the number of times and like watching Tanahashi win the, the g1 uh, a couple of weeks ago um i felt exactly the same way as i did when Tanahashi won the G1 in, in 2015, where a part of me is almost a little bit deflated that, that Tanahashi had won the G1. Um, but at the same time, there's the the knowledge that every time that he's in the ring and, and the, the main event that uh, presumably he's going to create in January, we, we don't know yet, um, but that there's no doubt that that's going to be so tremendous that uh, that you're left wondering it's like why am I rooting for the other guy? <laughs> you know, um, but I think just in terms of yeah, craftsmanship um, and character, charisma, and, and everything all together, you know, I think Okada uh, is the best that we have, and I think like you know, he's he's easily going to go down as as one of those those top people of all time i think and it's also um speaking of okada what did you think about the kind of transformation he's gone through after losing the iwgp title to kenny i think like it 
Mm. I'm not. I'm not sure. Like, I'm not sure how much it's it's going to click because I think that that story is is still not done yet, and it's it's still kind of untold. Um, and I think that's an interesting journey. I think like what's you know what's good about it is that he went on the journey. You know that you saw how much that title meant to him. Yeah, by the very fact that he was so transformed that this man just suddenly went off the deep end because he lost that that title that, that he had for for two years, um, and not in a way, you know, not just in a simple way of of oh, you know, I was on a roll for so long and I've I've been humbled, I've been dethroned. It, it wasn't just that he just literally had a sort of mental break. Um, you know, I, I think that's, that's something, uh, that's something powerful, but like now coming out of the G1 between now and the Tokyo Dome, like how, what directions does he go? If Okada's facing Tanahashi in the Tokyo Dome, uh, Okada's facing Tanahashi for that, that briefcase rather in September. And if Okada loses, then you're in that situation where he, you know, we're heading to a Wrestle Kingdom without Okada in the title match for the first time in, God, what, seven years. Yeah. You know, so how does that shape um, who Kazuchika Okada is? You know, I, I think that that's a really, really interesting um, aspect that, that we haven't delved into or we haven't really looked at yet. Um, so there's, there's still a lot to be done on that. But it is jarring, I think. Um, I find his music very jarring now yeah you know you hear the beginning and then all of a sudden that happens yeah 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 like the the record scratch and the freeze frame and um yeah i bet you're wondering how how i got here um yeah yeah, it's like that like you know i think maybe like the the first week it was like okay okay that's cool but it's like a month of that where it's at some point you need to get you need to get toriano i don't know on the (laughs) on the on the blower to produce your, your theme tune a little bit better um but uh yes still still lots to sort of uncover with that it's it's interesting man that's that's a great take on that um before we start getting into the meat and potatoes one more personal question um favorite new japan pro wrestling match uh, um <laughs> god it's it's uh I, I don't think I can answer that so simply. So I can only say like the my favorite New Japan match that I've seen live, my favorite wrestling match that I've seen live, uh, which was Ibushi and Nakamura in Wrestle Kingdom 9. Ooh. Oh, man. Oh, it's so great. Um, and what's so great about it, and, you know, I've said said this a few times, when I was – there was some distance between uh, re-watching it before I looked at that show again for the book. And so I was ready to watch it again, like almost feeling like, oh, this is going to ruin it for me Um, or ruin like the, you know, I put it on a pedestal mentally. Um, But to to rewatch it after a couple of years, you see more stuff. I think every time you watch that match, you see like a little bit more and a little bit more um, that you didn't notice before. Um, and a, a real, you know, I think that's a testament to, to both of those guys. Um, and I don't think you can get like for reasonably for what now we kind of expect like a 35, 40 minute 
main event or you know uh, even a, an IC championship spot in in Wrestle Kingdom. But for that match being like just. 20 20 21 like perfectly crafted minutes yeah. um yeah I, I it doesn't get much better than that i don't know whether it gets any better than that, but um <laughs> yeah yeah that's my i'll go with that for now <laughs> cool so i want to uh, you know talk about your books and your writing so first of all when did you decide you're going to start writing books and writing books about japanese wrestling um it's the, so the lion's pride came from doing a podcast you know i used to do like uh the japanese wrestling podcast for um what was then the law live audio wrestling um out of canada and like they were sort of run by the the fight network over there and um so i did a podcast with those guys for a couple of years and um so this was we started recording that around 2012 so like just after bushiro had bought the company um and kind of really before all of this momentum got behind you know the the international expansion and everything that had gone over the last few years but there was just starting to be um a little bit of steam gathering you know in the west and and english because of people wanting to find out more and stuff so i started doing this this podcast and the the feedback we'd we'd always get would be from people thanking us for for covering the current scene but they they didn't really have much of a context of much of a historical context and there really wasn't anything in english so it was the perfect storm of that and then like uh this was you know as i decided to write the book was around the time of, of Wrestle Kingdom 9. So like that was going on pay-per-view in the West. So like, you know, English speakers were just tuning in for the first time. And also like New Japan was like finally turning the corner and, and becoming profitable and, and starting to grow. So, you know, it, it was the perfect storm of all that, that that got me to think, well, if if I don't write this book, somebody else will. So I'll just, I'll get it out there now. Um, and it was, it was a bucket list thing for me to, to at least say, Hey, I wrote a book who it doesn't matter whether it's, it's good or not. At least I got it out. Um, and yeah, so the, the response to that was far better than I'd anticipated. Um, and that just, I think that, spurred on something in me to to write another down the line as soon as i was finished with with lion's pride like i took a year off where i didn't really know if i was going to write anything else but i knew i kind of wanted to do something that was more uh in depth so i you know i think eggshells partly came out of a desire to look at something in in greater detail than with lion's pride which was very sort of surface level because it kind of had to be because like it was such a a broad subject matter um but to be able to look at a specific place and frame everything through that um i you know i think i was happy to write something in in much greater detail and with a lot more sort of uh first-hand sources and and things like that and um that's what yeah, that's what drove the second book, I think. That, that was going to be part of my question was, you know, the source material because, you know, being a fan of New Japan, even now you go online and uh, there's so much of the history is contained in forums and with fans. And it's actually hard to find the real source material behind a lot of stories. I mean, Wrestling Observer is a great, you know, resource for stuff like that. Um, how did you get 
more access to that? And do you think like you're speaking Japanese, you know, helped you with that, like with your research and, and source material? Yeah, it, it definitely, it definitely did because there, there is an awful lot of history that's tremendously well documented. It's just none of it's documented in, in English. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, just, just the, the simple fact of like that we still have weekly wrestling magazines here, yeah. um, that, that you don't have in the West. Um, you know, that just, you know, even though like weekly, weekly, um, pro wrestling is kind of, you know, it's a little bit fan service you know, there's, there's not much there that that's editorial or, or anything like that, but it gives you a, a very good sort of snapshot of the era and, and, and what was going on at the time. And, um, then there's the fact that, yeah, if you walk into, you know, even now, if you walk into a normal bookstore in Japan, like there's a, a real treasure trove of, of, books like historical and, and recent um, where people write about, you know, but so much more has been written about pro wrestling uh, in Japan, I think, than has been written about American pro wrestling. Hmm. Um, there's an awful, awful lot of stuff there. It's just all in Japanese, you know, so that they, it just needs um, a little bit of, of digging and, and elbow work to sort of pass all that stuff, um, translate what needs to be translated and, and then use that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's, that's part of, you know, that's another thing, you know, it's a good point. That's another thing that, that drove um, eggshells was, was a way of, of, being more specific, being more detailed and having something that was um, a frame of reference in, in English because so much of this stuff is laid, to, is laid to waste, you know. And it was literally like so many of the books that, that I referenced in, in Eggshells are books that I managed to get off Amazon for like, for basically free, you know, it's paying the charge of shipping because like they're, they're just left to rot, you know. There's so much stuff there. And um you know, if it was a thing where I had enough money to do that, then I could uh, go through and archive all that stuff and and properly get everything translated, and and it would be a tremendous wrestling museum. But um, yeah, you know, one can dream. Eh? So, what what did the process look like for you um, writing eggshells? Was it like a lot of just overall research first? Like, how long did it take? And like, were you just like watch? Go have to go back and watch a lot of matches. Yeah, so what I would do to start off would be um, I'd watch the sh- for for the most part once once it got into routine, um, you know I I would like look at the card, I would watch the show, um, and then hopefully you know once I got into a rhythm of writing it, I would watch the show with an eye probably with an eye to okay what was going on what was happening in the ring but like also like what would be a sort of a way in what would be an angle to approach that show from a writing perspective um you know would there be something that happened during that show where you know you can you can link it where it would kind of create some sort of imagery some sort of theme for the for the chapter um and then from there, I would be like looking up as, as many sources for, that were available at the time to kind of get 
an idea of of what led to these matches um was there anything that that came up there where like the cards were changed or anything like that um and sort of then yeah getting those uh, sources like cross-checking them uh, against one another and you know if it was uh if there was any situation where you know i had an interviewee that could answer those questions then you know i, I would go go ahead and, and try and seek out that information firsthand as well with with eggshells obviously we're talking so many different companies and so many different events spanning you know decades um as a as like we have a lot of newer fans obviously if there was like one event that you had to say you know i would recommend for historical purposes that you watch this event from the Tokyo Dome, what would you, what would be like the one standout that you'd be like, if you haven't seen anything in the Tokyo Dome, watch this one match. It could be any company. Um, hmm. I, I like from a sheer, I think just from, from an entertainment perspective and like if you, if you're a, a recent fan that's only been seeing new Japan stuff, then, you know, I would say watch one of the the two Noah shows, and probably for my money, even though like the 2005 has much higher highs, I think like the 2004 um, first departure show. Uh, in general, I think like that's that's better quality top to bottom. Um, Is that uh, and, that's Kobashi and Mizawa. Uh, that is Kobashi, and yeah, is it yeah. <laughs> is Kobashi Mizawa? Yeah, that, I think so. <laughs> I think so. I, I don't have it. You're, you're gonna. Um, I don't have the the time to fact check. <laughs> uh. But uh, yeah, it's um, you know that show for me. It, it's um, you know it, it, it's very easy to sort of dismiss Noah these days with, without knowing that at one point in time, they were, they were the biggest, they were biggest company, um, in Japan, you know, um, it was Kobashi Akiyama, sorry for the, the 2000, but, um, yeah. So, and just to see the amount of energy that was, that was going around that company at the time, it it was really, really something exciting. Um, but for like bizarre historical reasons, you know, I would say like go and seek out maybe like the, one of the SWS shows, because that was such a a strange, um, sequence of events that, that led to that, that company being, being created. Um, and there's, there's lots of other sort of historically significant shows, you know, I think like the, the UWFI New Japan crossover in, in 95, the all out war show, um, that was, uh, you know, another show where just like the energy in that crowd uh, was something insane. You know how partisan that crowd was, how amped that crowd was. Um, like a soccer match. Yeah, 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 and completely sold out, and just so passionate, so energetic, and so, like the thing that blows me away on that is that it it was on a Monday. You know, it was wow. just a it was just a Monday evening show, and like not anywhere near a national holiday or anything like that. It was, um, they managed to, to draw that crowd and have that crowd be so hot for the entire show. Um, yeah, really, really, really something, yeah, to watch that show. Hmm. So I know that you've uh, seen many shows at the Tokyo Dome Live. How many times have you been to the Dome to watch wrestling? Um, yeah, I've been in Japan since 2005, but 
I actually didn't get the chance, so I didn't go to the dome for for a few years. So like I started going, I think would have been two thousand nine. So like that's Wrestle Kingdom one, two, Wrestle Kingdom three, um, and then ever since then I've gone every year. So yeah, it must have been coming up to oh, must have just done my tenth. Yeah, that's, that's awesome, um, man. Mm. What's what's been your, like your favorite or most memorable of those um, Wrestle Kingdoms that you've been to? I mean, again, I'd probably say like Wrestle Kingdom Nine because of that Ibushi Tanahashi match, which uh, Ibushi Nakamura match rather, which which will always be burned in my mind. But like also like that main event, the the Tanahashi Okada main event, yeah, where. It, you know, I, I think like everybody was expecting Okada to win and he finally lost and like is sort of led from the ring and he's in tears or whatever. And um, that show, I, I was in the cheap seats and um, we were, it was me and a couple of, of my friends and like we were sort of in front of some very, very sort of bawdy Japanese like middle-aged men who were really really passionate Tanahashi fans and we were all cheering on Okada partly you know because we wanted Okada to win but also to just be uh you know be partisan and and be against what these middle-aged guys were yelling um so you know we started chanting for for Okada and like this guy he leans over and said like no, nah, you're not going to win, you know. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so, you know, we're, we're battling back and forth for like the entire sort of 30 minutes or so. I like, have thoughts of war and like, um, and Tanahashi does win. And, and, you know, we stood up, turned around, like we shook hands, we hugged each other. And like, that was, that was the night. It was just a wonderful uh, sort of sense of, of community, you know, in, in wrestling fandom. It was, it was such a great moment. So, yeah. Uh, those two reasons. Right. So, uh, so speaking of that wrestling community, like how is like your, your experience with the Japanese audience been maybe to a UK audience or any other like different country audience that you've been a part of for a wrestling show? Um, I think, well, how does interacting with it, with that Japanese audience, do you mean? Yeah. Um, I think like it's, now it's much more expected than it was when I first started going to shows. So I think like when I would first start going to, to New Japan shows, you know, I would get the like occasional like Japanese fan that would walk up and, and want to practice his English because it was like a foreign person, <laughs> you know? So like, you know, then he would start to say, Oh, dude, English. Ah, you know, where are you from? And then play like, oh, you know, from England. It's ah, British wrestling. Ah, Lancashire style. Ah, blah, blah, blah. You know? <laughs> um, so you would get that more for like, for, for better or for worse, because, you know, it's like, Oh, you know, I made a friend, but also not really, <laughs> you know, this is kind of a pain. Um, whereas now it's not, you know, I suppose like in the, in the countryside, um, it's, it's much less uh, common to have foreign fans going to show shows, but like uh, certainly in, in Yokohama in in Tokyo, in Osaka, you know, the, seeing like uh, Western fans in, in a New Japan setting is, is not something unusual at all. So like you're kind of um, part of that 
that same i think like there's a there's a sameness and you're, and you're part of the same community but like but in a positive way you know i think like that goes that speaks to a lot of japanese culture in general where you know there's less there certainly isn't a, a fear or a thought that you're you're malappropriating or that you're hijacking hijacking uh, this this kind of culture. It's more like you know, oh, it's cool. It's it's amazing that you have an interest in this thing and, and welcome. You know, I think it's it's much more. Uh, you know, it, it's it's a warm thing. It's a positive thing, but like, um, yeah, for the most part, I think it's it's now taken taken as read that that there'll be more foreign fans come and see red. Man, that's awesome. So we, um, before we actually started recording, um, you were giving us some great insight to your experience commenting with New Japan. And I was like, hold up, we got to, we got to get this on the <laughs> But um, talk to us about, um, you know, commentating for them. And then, you know, how did that, how did that happen? Like, how did you get the invite to, to even make that a possibility? Um, we'd been back and forth and like we by we i sort of mean me and um and kevin and rocky and uh, some of the people in, in the office and like you know i mean we'd been sort of mildly talking for for a, a little while and like then uh it came to me doing this this stand-in job at, at korakren um in sort of towards the end of july um and really yeah I, I was brought on on that one show just to do the the sort of translating um and interpreting if there was a, a promo at the end of the the show that was going to be my bet and um you know anything else they they were calling me if they needed you know if something was going on in the ring if the referee was saying something from the wrestlers were saying something or whatever um so i did that and um I I did very very little that Korakuen whole show because like that was the Ishii Goto main event. Um, it's great main event, but like Ishii wins and uh, Ishii never speaks really anyway. Um, <laughs> especially you, like interpret. Yeah. Yeah 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 exactly. Um, especially you know after that that match with Goto is like particularly <laughs> violent and he just sort of stumbles to the back like oh okay <laughs> yeah, so that was that was a thing that at least I can say I did. Um, and then I got called back to do the Yokohama show on, on August 8th. And that was, you know, that, that was mainly because it was near me, you know, I live in Yokohama. Mm -hmm. Um, so it was, it was an easy sort of step for me to do that. And, um, you know, at that point, Kevin was just like, yo, we'll, we'll give you a little bit more and, and don't feel afraid to, to jump in. And, um, yeah, you know, when, when you need us to jump in. So I thought, okay, you know, the worst that could happen is that they won't call me in to do it again. You know, what I mean? <laughs> you know and I think like that's, that's good advice to anyone in that situation. Like if you, if you do it and you do well, then like they'll like you. And if you do it and you don't do well, well, like you haven't really lost anything in the end because they just won't call you again, you know? Forgiveness, not um, permission, right? Yeah, exactly. And so it's, uh, you know, and that turned out, well, the, the feedback was good from it. And um, then it, it turned into doing like the Budokan shows, which was uh, surreal. You know, still now I can't really believe that I did those shows. <laughs> very, very bizarre. You know, it was like I had tickets for those shows as well. You know, <laughs> I, was, I wasn't really expecting to. And then I had tickets and I had to, to scramble on Twitter. Like, can anyone take these? Um, 
but uh yeah so i mean that turned into you know a, a really sort of um unforgettable experience you know and it was um it was just very very high pressure but i think like a really good learning experience and um to be with those two um just made it a whole lot easier you know because i mean kevin's done it for you know he said on the on the final show he's been doing it for as long as the, the g1 climax been around so 28 years wow. he's been doing this and, and he's got such an an ear you know and and he kind of said to me before he went out and the last one is you know just you'll be fine and like i'll gently produce you. you know he was giving me and rocky like hand signals of like hold back just like let this thing breathe a little bit you know and mm. then come in and continue or whatever um so i felt a little bit like um it felt a little bit like homer simpson on the baseball plate you know and like <laughs> mr burns is doing like <laughs> <laughs> but uh you know it's it like it, as much as you know that if if it turns into do, to doing more than i think uh, you know that being you know being shoved into the the deep end is is i think sometimes the best way to learn stuff and um you know i, I felt i learned a lot in a, in a short period of time um and and as well you know because it helps that 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 i get on well with kevin and that i get along with with rocky because i think like i mean everybody gets along with rocky because it's you know the nicest He's great well yeah yeah, we actually got the um, chance to uh, meet Rocky um, in New Orleans for WrestleMania weekend. And, um, you know, we're planning on getting him on the show sometime in the near future. Yeah, it was yeah. it was pretty cool talking to Rocky because I was just like, he, I was like, yeah, we run this podcast. And he's like, how many people, you, you know, you guys do every week? And it, 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 I don't want to say the number, but it was smaller than it is now. And he's like, mm. that's great. I got to be on the show. And I was like, okay. <laughs> Rocky Romero. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. And there's a, there's a thing where, you know, a lot of people will be, oh, that's great. I should do that sometime. You know, and it's like, yeah. But then, like with Rocky, it'll be like, yeah, that's great. We should do that. And then like, he will really genuinely want to do it. Genuinely oh, yeah. oh no. Rocky was like, Rocky was like, listen, he was like, he's like, I'm very busy, but I want to be on your show. He's like, yeah. if you ask, he's like, You'll, you'll message me and I'll see it and I'll probably not answer. He's like, keep messaging me because I will find time to be on this show. And I was like, all right, sound, <laughs> sounds like a plan to me. Yep, 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 yep. Yeah, so I mean, just like having those two two guys there, it felt an awful lot, you know, and, and knowing that they, they're doing the, the heavy lifting, like really I wasn't doing much in, in those on those shows. So it really felt like I'm just watching – you know, I'm watching the show with a, with a couple of friends, you know, and trying at the same time watching it. And it's something that I've done so much going to shows live where I'll go with, with friends of mine who like maybe only casually follow the product or don't watch at all. And we'll kind of be like, who's this guy? And like, well, you kind of explain things as you go. And that's, that's really all, all it felt like to me because, yeah. you know, those other two were doing the, the real busy work and I was just there to explain stuff, which was uh, cool. Yeah. Did they give you guys like any any like directive of like angles that would be happening or anything to kind of look out for ahead of time? No, like Kevin and Rocky know knew better than than me because like they like you know I mean Rocky's obviously one of the boys and like Kevin like travels with 
with the guys as well. So, you know, he knows them a, a little bit better to where if, you know, if they ask, then they would know. Kevin just doesn't really want to know because he kind of wants to react in, in, in the real time. Right. Me personally, I didn't, I really didn't know anything of <laughs> substance. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it was just one of those things where like Kevin, Kevin mainly, he'll just want to know if there's some video package that will pop yes. in all of a sudden, you know, because otherwise you're mid sentence and like suddenly you're, you're booted off by this, this video package. So he'll want to know that stuff. Um, but most of it's, it's very organic. And when you're there, you're not, you, you don't have any voices in your ear. Um, like the, maybe the Japanese situation is a little bit different, but like on the, on the English side, it's just, you're there. Like there, there would be like the other two guys would be in my ear and like, we would have a better, uh, they they have a directional mic on, on the ring as well. And so you have a, a better idea of like what they're saying in the ring because we can change those levels as well. So like we can turn the ring up and turn the other guys down if not. And so like, that's what I was trying to do as much as possible was like get a decent like balance to where I could hear like if someone like Yano, who's like very, very chatty in the ring, um, you know, if, if he's sort of talking trash, then I could hear that part and then like be able to provide that while still being able to listen to the, you know, the other two guys. And that's like quite a, that's enough like mental gymnastics. <laughs> I think yeah. I think like the trying to balance that along with someone producing you as, as you're listening, it must, it must be, it must do your head in. <laughs> but um you know, I think like that's what really separates the 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 you know the men for the boys in, in that instance um you know but yeah it's 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 quite it's tough work i think but uh i i hopefully did all right you know everybody said that everybody was very nice oh you, you actually did fantastic <laughs> yeah there was, man there's one point where um and I mentioned this before the show I was like um every night. Cause like you mentioned, they're giving you more and more, you know, kind of like leeway. Mm. And during the finals, there was one point where I think you were talking about either Tanahashi or Bushi. I don't remember, but like, I started getting like a little teary eyed, like <laughs> just because the match was incredible, but like you were given like the history and like you were, you were going in and I was like, yeah, Chris. Get it, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah, the, I think like that was a, it was emotional all over. You know, I think it was emotional for all three of us really, yeah. you know, because I mean, those for me, it was just like suddenly here we, you know, what the fuck am I doing here? You know, <laughs> one aspect of it, but like the, the other two, you know, I mean, even for, for Kevin and Rocky, you know, they'd gone on that journey for, for a month. Um, and so it, it was this like big release, but, um, as well, because I mean, the the one, the one sort of behind the curtain thing that, that I can tell you, I guess, is the way those shows end, because um, Kevin and Rocky have to go on the bus with all the wrestlers, right? So like, they have to shoot as as soon as it's as as things are done, right? I'm. A, I live here, right? And B, so I'm not, you know, I'm not f- fussed about getting to a hotel. But like B, they, they you know, I have to do like the, the post-match interview or whatever. And then like the guy gets backstage and they do the press conference. Um, so what, what would happen would be like Kevin and Rocky would as soon, they would do the sign off and then they'd get up and go. And so it would just be me huddled over a monitor. 
for like Tanahashi talking backstage or whatever. Um, so it felt very, it felt very lonely at the end of those shows. And like Kevin does this thing where he's, you know, he's like, well, Rocky, it's over. And like, we've done this, this message and we can have done it with all of you. You know, he's like such a, a genuinely sort of warm, heartfelt, like, you know, from the heart delivery of this, uh, you know, this, this whole, this whole spiel. And then him and Rocky leave, like, you know, he sort of claps you on the shoulder. It's like, and you know, off you go and I'm like, you fuck it. You know, so I'm like, <laughs> you know, it's just about to, you know, it's pretty much just nearly bawling. And they were like, oh God, and I have to keep talking, you know, and, and, uh, and doing this, but, uh, yeah, it, it turned out, that turned out all right. <laughs> but still, yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was very emotional, I think. So we, we have some questions from our followers and, you know, mailbag fans that they've got questions for you. But before we do that, I got one last question. So um, obviously you were brought in to translate. So you speak Japanese. Um, if you were to kind of like give advice as far as like what, what's the best, I've heard that that's a very, very difficult language to learn. Um, how, what advice would you give to someone who was thinking of trying to learn that? Um, like, I think for me, it's like, you have to create a need. And so I'm not great at, at textbook learning really. Um, you know, it's not something for me. It was like, Oh, you know, if it's like, Oh, I'm going to try study Japanese, I'm going to buy a textbook. You know, I will lose interest in that stuff like very, very quickly. Um, but like you need to have, and a need to to use the language um which is where you know i mean my deficiencies in japanese are when i'm dealing with a subject that i don't use every day when it's a situation that i'm never in you know so it's like i couldn't talk to you about politics in japanese really at all um for instance uh but like wrestling in japanese yes absolutely you know because <laughs> like i'm in the situation where i have to use that stuff and so it's, and I have to use it, you know, now in my life, I have to use it, you know, every day. And my wife's Japanese and we, we mainly talk in Japanese, right? And, um, you know, I have to use Japanese in my day job at work. You know, I have to use Japanese, you know, it, it's, I like, it's easy for me to say that because I live here. So it's like, I have that need already. So like, if you're not in Japan, then you need to create that need somehow. And, uh, you know, I mean, I think, you know, something like wrestling is, is an easy avenue to, to get into because like I said, there's so many books, there's so many magazines and, and things and all of that information that's only available in this different language, you know, and there's podcasts there and there's like a lot of, you know, even announcing, you know, and stuff, you, you can gradually pick stuff up. Um, so yeah, I mean, like my advice would be to, to create a need and, and just have authentic sources, but at the same time, like every learner is different. So yeah, it, it's a little bit difficult. Gotcha. All right. So now we're going to move into uh, some questions from our listeners um, collected on Facebook, Reddit, and Twitter. Um, so our first question comes from uh, Matthew Mayer. And he wants to know who scared the shit out of you the most during the G1? Who scared the shit out of me? Um, <laughs> it wasn't, uh, may, mm, it might have been Fale actually probably was valet like that first night yeah. like the thing was like um the buddha was like nice and safe 
um because like you know we were there, there was like the extra distance from the ring and the bit of kind of like had all sorts of rules anyway where like nobody's allowed past like these guardrails you can't mess around you can't fight in the crowd they didn't want another ibushi diving off the balcony so like that felt nice and safe <laughs> um, yeah but i think like the first night i did in korakuen like because the way they put those tables there right by like the blue corner entrance like everybody will walk past you and the it was a mix of people like the guys that didn't know me from sight were like who's the new guy (laughs) (laughs) and then the guys that did know me you know like Farley like yep. you know I'd, I'd never like we haven't it's one of those things where like we haven't spoken in person but like you know we follow each other on Twitter and like you know he kind of he knows me ish um, so he uh, you know I think with Farley it was a thing he just wanted to fuck with me I think <laughs> <laughs> yeah so he did like the you know the the, the too sweet thing and the, and the cute flip me off and was like well, okay whatever but like the, the thing that didn't get on camera was like when he came out later in the night and he just smack the heads off my head <laughs> and you know not my glasses off my face and like everything so I was kind of really hoping that that had made camera which it didn't you know <laughs> like, um, so that was that was frustrating but uh, yeah so, and then, okay it was kind of like welcome welcome to the club kind of thing but, <laughs> yeah <laughs> it wasn't too bad even like um, even Jay he, he didn't he didn't smash out barricades that that hard when I was there. So maybe I have a <laughs> nice effect Suzuki? on people. Yeah. What about Suzuki? Suzuki, we um I just got lucky with him. <laughs> just got lucky with him. I don't think he saw he don't think he saw me he saw me or he saw us. Because um yeah, just the the way the Budokan layout was meant that he didn't come toward our way that much and um yeah even he just sort of stormed he just sort of stormed past me but yeah me and me and suzuki were all right i think <laughs> <laughs> like i sponsored his 30th anniversary event so we're, we're good <laughs> I've, I've heard that if you uh if you be very very still and don't make eye contact he will leave you alone. Yeah, if you stand out, then <laughs> I think that is the thing. Like, you know, I think, and I think that's why a lot of like the the Naitos and the Suzukis of this world will go to like the English announcers because a you'll, you'll stand out more, and b like the the reaction that that they know they're gonna get. You know, certainly the reaction that they'll get from like a Don Callis to like scream and run upstairs <laughs> or whatever. And uh, they like that, I think. You know, so they'll actively seek it out. Nice. Uh, next question is from Jordan Fox. He says, how has New Japan changed in your eyes with the explosion of popularity in the U.S. as of late? Uh, hmm. It's... Yeah, I made this this point in the book where like um, I looked at the sort of data up and down of like the the balance of Japanese talent and foreign talent and how it's now in recent years in in New Japan's dome shows it's getting higher and higher like the, the so it's nearly like fifty fifty on those like really big shows between Japanese between domestic and foreign talent and. Um, I that's like that 
is actually no different to how things were in the 70s and right. the 80s, right? <laughs> like, yeah. I think we're like what a lot of the sort of gatekeeping fans of New Japan don't realize or perhaps willfully ignorant to was the fact that um, your wrestling for decades in Japan was about the Japanese guy versus the Western guy. Absolutely. And how like Western and, you know, people are, oh, you know, everything, it feels like a Western show to watch. And it's like, well, no, a, I mean, a, not really. I mean, it doesn't really feel, you know, I think like objectively it's, it's not, just because they do one promo in a show, that doesn't mean that you're watching Raw at all. You know, it's, it's a radically different, it's a completely fundamentally different thing, first of all. But, I mean, if you're complaining about Western philosophies used in Japan, then you should stop watching Japanese wrestling because, like, that's all, <laughs> you know, that's all that it is. Because, um, you know, it, it, everything... NWA and, and AWA and like Memphis and everything like that informed every Japanese promotion. Right. From the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s. Like that's all like America influencing Japan. Right. Um, and that's not to say that, that things were copied wholesale, but it's like, you know, in the, the Japanese scene, it was taking what worked, adapted it adapting it, localizing it, uh, if you will, uh, for this audience and, um, then going from there. Um, so I think fundamentally that difference is, you know, things aren't really all that different, but the role I think of the foreigner in Japanese wrestling has changed. Yeah. So like the, you know, we're past now the foreign, uh, you know, the foreign monster heels yeah. of like the seventies and eighties that were there to, you know, much like the Hogan formula where they cycled, you know, they build a guy up and cycle him in to get beaten by Hogan. Right. And it was a similar thing with Inoki, you know, or Barber or God lights to return. Like that would be, um, the, the, the deal with, with the foreigners that, that a lot of people remember. Um, and, now, you know, so where before, like the foreigners were there in the Japanese wrestling to give um, the the Japanese hero someone to overcome and to increase that sense of national identity and that sense of, um, you know, it was, an, it was a nationalistic thing. And now I think it's more of an internationalistic thing where it's, it, you know, there is this 50-50 ratio on a, on a Tokyo Dome show of foreigners to, to Japanese. And that's a thing of look how far we've become and look what a melting pot we are in terms of different styles and in terms of different nations. And I think that's um, a positive thing um, that we now have people on the show who are people, you know, and who aren't like the, the, uh, the babbling monsters or the guy that will, will storm out and, and scare children away and say, you know, whenever like they're confronted it's like i don't speak japanese and um it's more similar to the presentation of like the funks in the 70s and early 80s i would say yeah yeah and yeah and then they're sort of accepted as as our as our own thing there's a wonderful there's like um to, to hit you with some like video game obscure there's like a game on uh the japanese super nintendo 
called like um, All Japan Fight Upon, and it was kind of like a, a like kiddie wrestling game where like the main part of it was a board game, but like there was also like crazy stories in it. And one of the stories is like about Stan Hansen and like the other foreigners and like the the bulk of this storyline is stan hansen like wrecking shit like godzilla like <laughs> storming around like breaking everything like kicking over buildings making kids cry and like the only his only line is like like i don't know i don't know what you're saying i don't know japanese i don't know japanese i don't that's all he says <laughs> in this thing and like it's and it's funny but it's also one of those like collar jerking uh, kind of things you know where um awesome. you know now it's we have foreign guys on our on our roster that, that are much more accepted whether that's you know that are accepted as as part of like they're they're not foreign guys they're new japan guys you know juice juice robinson isn't you know, is like as much of a, a dojo guy as, as as anybody else on those cards, and like um, you know, and, and it's great as well that we have someone like Kenny that's an ambassador for for that, and for like kind of more of an, an open minded mindset, less nationalistic, and, and more tolerant. I think. Awesome. We have another question from uh, one of our listeners, Zach Porter. He said, first off, Chris, I've really enjoyed reading Eggshells um, while making it." Have you come across some really underrated shows? Any hidden gems that you would recommend? Uh, hidden gems, hidden gems. Lots of like, um, yeah, I'll tell you what, actually. Like, yeah, because I was just re-watching it. Um, the 2004 WrestleWorld show, so like January 4th, 2004, um, is a really, really solid show. And it's kind of, it's a really solid wrestling show in the midst of a really down era, you know, because it was like 2003 was when everything really kind of hit the fan where like business suddenly collapsed, you know, and all the profits and the sales, they, they literally halved in the space of a year. Um, so like we're getting into a, a very sort of tough period and yeah. like you had so much like these shows like ultimate crush or nexus where it was like half of these uh, wrestling matches and then there's mma matches and it was all sort of very clunky stop start and then you had you know chono having to face hogan chono having to face Joni laura and it was like oh what you know a lot of these really sort of have you scratching your head but like suddenly wrestling world 20 2004 it looked like they they had found a, a really cool direction again you know and um because you had that just that awesome like um bloodbath with sasaki and nagata you you had that shinsuke nakamura takiyama match which um on the face of it isn't like a, a five-star classic but it was uh you know a really kind of pivotal match in informing shinsuke nakamura as, as a pro wrestler right. um so yeah i think that's probably like uh the epitome of like an underrated underrated show in an underrated era to, to check out perhaps and it's all on new japan world as well so that's that's helpful Awesome. Uh, so our next question comes from Reddit user WRPLA101. He says, what you brought to the table during the G1 was really cool. The historical perspective and context you provided made almost all the stuff you commented on better, not taking anything away from Rocky and Kevin Kelly. He wants to know, what match from the last year do you wish you could have been at the desk for? 
<laughs> I don't know at all. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh. I don't know whether I can whether I can answer because it was so as I said, like it's it's so strange. Yeah, you know, I I like there there are times, right? I think like every every fan's like that when you you kind of watch wrestling and maybe I'm sort of betraying myself and my my own weirdness here but like you you're you're when you're into a match and like you know the 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 wife's gone to bed and the kids are in bed or whatever and like you're you're on your own and watching <laughs> wrestling you know and and the times you sort of jump off your seat the, the times where you sort of start pacing and you, you kind of have uh, you know, you're, you're almost uh, yelling out calls, uh, you know, a sort of silent yelling. <laughs> I'm running with you, man. Views, right? um, but I, it was, you know, it, it was so, that, that's part of what made it so surreal to, to do those finals was like, oh, wow, I, I'm actually doing this. I never really envisaged it. So I, I never really had a thing of, oh, I wish I was, I was doing that. I never really gave it much thought. Um maybe like you know i think like naito and okada mm. from like january 4th because i think like that was that probably you know that with the role that i'm sort of in of like doing those that those background things and like yeah. it felt like you know writing that section of the book it felt like very much you know it, it felt good to sort of relive that and um take that you know, have my takes on that and then being able to see that and, and see certain parts of that match and, and what they meant to me at that time. You know, it would have been a cool thing to to get across, um, perhaps. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know, I don't know. Yeah, that caught me off guard, actually. I'm not sure whether that answered your question, maybe. Uh, he also, he had a follow-up to that. He said, what do you think about uh, Kevin Kelly mentioning he'll be pro- he'll potentially going back and overdubbing some older stuff for New Japan World? <laughs> would you like to be involved um yeah that's that's again that's that's something that we've talked about for a long long time about um getting more out of those archives um and i think like it's it's really really important um to do that because uh you know because i mean if nothing else you know we have a great archive on that website it's not yeah, you know, sometimes it's frustratingly incomplete, you know, and, yes. it, and it would be nice oh to get to get more of those stuff out there. But I mean, it's one of those catch twenty twos where you know they will say, "Well, we have a limited number of resources, and to spend those resources or to spend that that budget, whether that's in terms of money, um, securing different things, whether that's in terms of literal space on a server, whether that's in you know in terms of like the the man hours it takes to encode." things and put it in the database and, and this and that you know it, they that all it, individually those things seem small but when you add all of that up then it, it becomes difficult to justify it when perhaps an, an individual match on new japan world will have like views in the three figures in in the end and you know they own everything either right well, it's a situation, it's a difficult situation because like, um, essentially TV Asahi owns everything. Right. Right. And we, you know, with, with world, like that, the world team has, has access to all of that stuff in theory. Um, that said though, it's, there's a different thing with, um, owning, 
TV rights and owning portraiture rights. And we have this thing in, in Japan that's a headache um, of portraiture rights, which is basically they, it exists. It, you know, it's kind of all like anti-slander, anti-libel laws, which I'm, you know, I'm not particularly au fait with. Um, but basically it means that even if um, you do stuff for someone like TV Asahi um, and they own that footage, if but you own the rights to your likeness in perpetuity, like always forever. So like, if you say, I don't want my stuff on this content, uh, you know, my content on this website, um, then they can't, they can't include that. Um, and that's why you don't see Brock Lesnar on there. That's why you don't see, um, Nario Ogawa on there, for instance, because he, he actively had that, that's, that stopped off, you know, and there's, there's a few little issues, you know, I, I, that's you know, the, the stuff with TNA's content as well. Yeah. Um, so there's a few more minefields there where it isn't necessarily, we don't own it. It's more that there's, uh, there's individual rights to, to sort of, uh, to take into account, which in a way, you know, I mean, having those, those rights and those, those legal, um, that legal background, you know, in theory, you know, I think that's a, that's a wonderful thing for the, for the individual, um, in principle, but it's just that when it gets to like the actual practice of, of having these archival, this archival content on, on worlds and, and services like that, it's a little bit disappointing that you can't always get what you want in that regard. Um, but it's certainly like to have more people, watching the, that archival content then it justifies us being able to add more yes. you know um so but nobody's going to watch that content unless you have you know somebody with authority tell tell them you know what was happening here here and why you know so yeah my understanding is that we <laughs> sorry this is a really long answer but I, I mean my understanding is like um that there's there's going to be a series where it's it's less about overdubs, but it's more about doing uh, you know throws to, to specific things. So like uh, talking for a few minutes of like here's this match, here's what was going on around it, here's why it happened, blah blah blah, here's what it led to, yeah. um, and just giving you a bit of that background and then letting the match uh, speak for itself. Um, so that's something yeah, in theory I'm, I'm very excited by, um, and how much I'm involved with that I don't know at this point in time but uh you know i mean we'll, we'll see how it goes yeah awesome and the last part of his question he wants to know um how do you think you would have played off don Callis if you ever get the team up for him for a show um yeah i i don't know i, I presume i think we might be all right you know because it was one of those things like and lots of people are very sort of kindly said um online and um it's something kevin said to me as well that the way it worked out, you know, I mean, Kevin's doing the play by play stuff and then rock is there to say, here's what it's like as, as a wrestler. And like, I, you know, people were saying like, I was kind of in the Mike Tanay kind of a role. Ooh, yeah. Um, yes, <laughs> right. Where it's like, you know, here's the, the sort of anal retentive, oh, and you know, this happened here and, and blah, blah, blah. And, and kind of given the stance and that kind of thing. And I think like, that's something that, someone like Don Callis, who's kind of like, you know, Don's almost in the Bobby Heenan yeah. kind of a, a kind of position. And that's something where, you know, I, I can throw up a, a bunch of stuff that he would probably <laughs> you know, liberally make fun of and, and do that kind of thing. And I think like that, um, that back and forth, that back and forth would be fun, you know? So 
yeah, I, I don't know whether I would, uh, whether I, I will ever sort of sit down next to, to Don Carlos on a team, but like, um, it would be a fun thing to me. I, I have faith you will. <laughs> <laughs> But um, we've got about we got four more questions. Um, I'm uh, one of our listeners. His uh, Reddit username is Kokata. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, he's got a two part question. He says, "So, um, what do you do for a living? Is there a reason you cannot do commentary full time?" That's the first part. And then the second part. It's been a while since I've read Lions Pride, but I remember in it you alluded to a former IWGP champion taking out the gems of the title belt and pawning them. Who do you think it was? Um, God, first question. Uh, for the most part, like um, my day job, day job is I work in education. So I, I teach elementary school. Um, but that's something I really talk about. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. but that's, that's, uh, that's my day job. Um, because of that, then, you know, I mean, what happens... From yeah, I mean the honest answer. What what happens here in in terms of announcing, in terms of like New Japan in general, um, I really honestly don't know. So <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> it's just uh, you know everything's uh, player from from uh, by ear on on that part, and um, possibly because of that, then I'll plead the fifth on like the last question as well. So <laughs> I will not incriminate anybody <laughs> that certainly might uh that certainly might employ me in the future so <laughs> oh gotcha <laughs> uh, all right next question comes from reddit user jqncg he says he'd like to know what you think about the reaction of the japanese fans to switchblade jay white um jay is i think like the i think the the company is, is very um aware and and people that make the decisions and certainly like gato like he's very aware when he's on someone and i think like they're really on some of them with with jay white and he's done so much um in this in this year you know i think like he's a, a really good candidate um or he will be a really can- good candidate when it comes to like anybody's like most improved picks um because as a guy that, that always had the tools but didn't really know, you know, I think like if you watch the 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 Wrestle Kingdom match with Tanahashi, and even like the, you know, I think you get that in the the comments he gave me for the book, where he wasn't really sure how to how to be in that that character, how to, you know, he wasn't completely comfortable in that skin yet. And I think like now he he really is. Yeah. Um and so, you know, and I think like, you know, once, once you're there, you're there with, with everyone. It doesn't really matter whether you're, you're Japanese or foreign, but I think, um, yeah, his, his, he stands to do very, very well, I think. And again, I mean, like, you know, like so many guys, like a, like a debit, you know, I mean, like debit was, you know, he was the guy that discovered or sort of put the call into for Jay White in the first place. And, you know, you see a lot of debit in him and like in the fan reaction to him as well, you know, because like much like, much like debit was, um, you know, a guy that, that went into the new Japan dojo. So very much, uh, you know, accepted by the fans as, as one of their own. Um, and then to have that sort of sharp change in, in character and, and be something, be someone that like, that's 
much more reviled. You know, I, I think like he's very much somebody that the the fans will invest in. I think going forward. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm really excited to see see what he does over the next year or so. That's awesome. Um, we have a question from Reddit user BlobBTDQ, and he said, "I loved." your antidote during the G1 final when you gave some backstory on on Ibushi working in Narita Airport as a young man and Mm. he still lives in Chiba to remember where he came from. Mm -hmm. I would love to also know the interesting slash unexpected facts that you know about some other wrestlers if you're able to share. Um, God, it's top of my head. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Um... I can't think of many things. I can't think of many things off the top of my head. And um, B then, like, if I if I do get called back to do to do the desk, then that's one anecdote I can't use again. God, um, Bob TDQ, why? <laughs> you. Not, we wouldn't even ask podcast. I did ages ago, but um, yeah, one of my favorite uh, stories about Shinya Hashimoto was um, that he made lyrics. Ricky Choshu's Power Hall music. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, and you know the the famous famous tune. And so he made uh, he made lyrics and and he'd always he'd always sing them and like Choshu never knew this until after. <laughs> and so like Hashimoto would like. Um, Make lyrics and, and he'd sing. Choshu de ki udegami chikai choshu de ki. Choshu de ki zenbugami chikai. Which is like Ricky Choshu, his legs are really short. Ricky Choshu, his arms are really short. Ricky Choshu, everything of his is short. And that's like something that Ricky Choshu was. Because Rick Choshu is like notoriously like self-conscious that he's short and that he has short legs, which is why um, he would always wear like his signature white boots instead of black right. boots. So he thought he'd make his his legs look longer. So, <laughs> yeah, that is that is awesome because yeah. it's like one of my favorite themes of all time. One of my favorite wrestlers of all time. I did not know this story. Like that's awesome. <laughs> uh, then our last fan question comes from Twitter user at NJPW Numbers. He says, factions seem quite different in New Japan Pro Wrestling. It really looks like the guys in factions really do hang out together outside mm. of wrestling. Do you know who decides what faction a new wrestler joins? Is it up to the wrestlers themselves or do the bookers assign wrestlers to a faction? Um, I don't know the answer to that, but I think – like I. I think I guess that eventually it comes to a combination of of a few things of like both, you know, and and where things naturally take hold. You know, I mean, you look at some, uh, something like Lij, where it's it's everybody in that unit has a history, right? Um, that that goes back, so they're they're very sort of tied together personally. Um, and I think like when it comes down to it, I'm not exactly a hundred percent sure, you know, and it may vary from promotion to motion. I was reading a book about all Japan women's and how like that was entirely, you know, what faction you were there was entirely at the company's call. Like you go here and you go there whatever. And there was like, uh, this story of Aja Kong, like, um, 
being put in like the the heel stable and bursting into tears, you know, because she wanted to be like this hero. And it's amazing, yeah. you know, it's amazing like reading that, but then you kind of realize shit, like Asha Kong at the time would have been 15, 16. Yeah. You know? Um, so yeah, that that was wild. But yeah, I, I think like it it comes down to a little bit of both in the end. And they they kind of sort of say, you know, you would probably better fit in here um but then at the same time you know we know who you get along with and and everything like that yeah cool so um now that we're done with the fan questions we're, we're we, we really appreciate man all your insight it's been awesome there's just a couple things so uh one thing i was just wondering about so you mentioned you know that there's a treasure trove of all this information, you know, in Japanese, um, you know, as fans of the product, me and Jeremy, and also as, you know, podcasters, we're always looking for ways to, uh, further our knowledge of the ongoings of what's going on. We, there's so much stuff with like the English guys, but it's hard to find out more about what's going on on, on the Japanese side. Obviously like your Twitter is kind of like a great resource for that. But I mean, if you were like, you know, if you didn't speak Japanese and you weren't living over there, uh, what resources would you kind of like recommend for newer fans who are trying to learn more about this product? You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I think like, yeah, that's, that's difficult because I think like, especially if you're not sort of plugged into social media, it, it can be a, a daunting, you know, and there's lots of other great people on Twitter for like different, for different things. And like, um, you know, on the new Japan, ends you know i'm i mean i'm there uh the lion marks guys um Juan and yoko yeah. like a great um mr lariato mr lariato like of course as, as a general like jeff thing and then like if you're into other stuff like ddt like michelle does a great job covering ddt like hisame um covers noah really well um but that is you know, I, I think a very key identifier and, and something that, um, you know, I mean, my sort of connection with, with New Japan isn't, um, you know, is, is I'm very much on the, the fringe of that, of that company, but it's something that, that I've pitched to them before of like doing more uh, with the website and doing more on the editorial end to kind of get people constantly sort of uh, aware of what's going on, you know, cause I think like there's a lot of, there's a lot of little stuff that, um, the, the just, I mean, even if you are a, a more of a hardcore fan, there's, there's lots of cool little things that you'll miss. You know, it's like, um, Hiroki Goto and, and Taichi were like scrapping on Twitter the other day because like Taichi played the match of, of him versus Goto in Fire Pro Wrestling World. And like he, <laughs> And he, he he won the match and got like a hundred percent match rating, and you know and that turned into like shit talk, you know, and like he's <laughs> still a show and whatever, you know. And that's that's kind of like, you know, that's a little thing, but that's kind of something that, you know, the the could be done, you know. That's something that we can make a story out of, and, yeah. and that's something that we can talk about, you know, and and things like that. So I just think, um, hopefully, that's that's something that you'll see change more where on an official side and on a, like, uh, you know, on, on the company end that they're a little bit better, um, at making people, not only making people welcome from the broadcast end, but keeping people engaged in between the shows, you know, especially on a period like this where we're in a, like a two, three week 
lapse between tours, you know, that's something where the website can take over and, and sort of fill in those, those gaps, you know, I think. That, that sounds like a job that you could get and then you could finesse your way to get us on there too. Yeah. All right. So I know we're a few months uh, removed. If your your book eggshells releasing, do you have any other projects that you're working on next? Um, a few different things. Uh, yeah, perhaps a few different things. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> it, like, there's, you know, I mean, there's there's a, f- a few stuff that that's in different sort of areas of like being pitched or being made or you know or has already been made but have been put out you know that um you know that i'm in so uh nothing i think anything too concrete other than hopefully for the love of god hopefully soon um viceland will um be showing the wrestlers which is a documentary i helped make um last year with with damien abraham um and that is a really really great show i know for a fact and that you know that covered that covers not just japanese wrestling but like stuff in mexico stuff in the congo stuff in nigeria like he you know damien went all over the world um to look at the sort of weird and wacky in 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 pro wrestling and um the yeah the, i had a big hand in those those japanese episodes so i'm looking forward to that finally being out there <laughs> that people can actually bloody see it but um yeah we have to wait for vice to get their fingers out on that one but uh yeah well, uh, Chris, when you do come out with your next project, whatever it is, you've got to come on here and tell us about it. Um, this has been awesome. I thank you for coming on the show. I feel like I just like sat under the learning tree for like a <laughs> period of time and just absorbed all this knowledge and goodness. Cool. Yeah, no, it was, it was, it was, it was great to do. I always, I always like um, chatting shit on podcasts, so I'll, I'll be happy to, to come on again. So yeah, before you go, any last thing you want to plug? Um, yeah, of course you can still get, uh, eggshells, uh, pro wrestling in the Tokyo Dome on Amazon, primarily, uh, paperback and Kindle. Um, I think it's one of those things where, you know, every now and then people like, I don't want to give money to Amazon, which is uh, fair, you know, that's a fair call. Um, so on those instances, if you, if you reach out to at reason JP on Twitter and I'll, I'll try and sort you out a copy, um, also to go along with that, I do a, a weekly um, podcast, the Eggshells Podcast Companion, which which looks at a different year with with a different guest uh, every week, and that is on the Post Wrestling Network. And uh, this week, I think they just put up the ninety eight episode. Um, so me and uh, Kim Justice, who's uh, an amazing, she's an amazing um, YouTube. Uh, documentarian and like uh, we talked about 1998 um so that's cool and you can check out that and um yeah that's it all right awesome thanks again chris thank you chris this has been awesome all right cheers thanks very much wow man it was so great having chris on the show man yeah like it's kind of surreal um you know, you follow someone on Twitter for, you know, a long period of time like that. And then, you know, they're on New Japan Pro Wrestling. And then, you know, one Saturday morning, you're like just chit-chatting <laughs> yeah. in your living room. Yeah, dude, it's crazy, man. Like, so. like, like you're just buddies, you <laughs> yeah, know? Yeah, like, dude, like, yeah, I felt like we, like, like we knew each other, like. <laughs> the, the thing with it, too, is like, um, I think that with the interview, it was great because we gave Chris a lot of time to sort of just 
you know, say his piece and, you know, answer the questions. Cause obviously you guys tune in every week. You guys hear us blabber on and on. <laughs> and you know, when you get a guy like Chris on there, you want to give him a chance to talk. But there were so many times he was saying stuff where I was like, I want to talk about this with you, Chris. Like, yeah, dude, we could have a, a bunch of like mini podcasts based off just certain points and dude, facts that he was saying. So many things that like we were talking about. I was like, yeah, let's talk about like Inoki and like freaking <laughs> so many like different guys like Inokiism period he was talking about like the Showa period and the Hesse period and like when he started talking about like uh, Hiroshi Hase I was like yeah bro like I want to talk about like Ken uh, Sasaki like I just want to discuss all that stuff with him and I was like like it was great because he everything he said was so comprehensive like there was a wide range of uh, subjects that were covered that like we don't always touch on Right. So I was like, man, like this is a really, this is a great interview. <laughs> yeah, and thank you for all the uh, you guys that sent in questions on Facebook, Twitter, yes. and Reddit. Um, yeah, that was a great help, and you know, Chris loved you guys' questions. So yeah. Yeah, there's a few questions where he's like, I don't think I can answer that. <laughs> there was even there was actually one point like we were talking, and he was like, Oh, I don't think I'm allowed to say that. He's like, Kayfabe that. And I yeah. Was like, oh, okay. <laughs> all right, Chris Charlton. <laughs> But, like, I feel like we're one step away from working for New Japan. Like, yeah. Just a couple degrees of separation. Like, next thing you know, we'll be in the booth next to Kevin <laughs> Kelly and Rocky Romero. We'll do it. We, we have nothing to add. We're like, we're just there <laughs> at a, you know, four man booth. <laughs> what do you think, young boy? <laughs> oh, man. This match was good, but it wasn't more than five stars. <laughs> you know, last week, uh, some of our listeners were kind of asking us when we're going to get a break, you know, and take a week off. And it has sort of felt like it, like there's been no new Japan shows. Um, we did, we did that interview, which was a breeze on yeah. Saturday and now it's Monday night. And I'm used to like powering through these, like, you know, long sessions. And it's like, man, there's nothing going on. Like this is like a free night. Yeah. It's like a, it's like a short day at school. Like when they have like <laughs> half what, day, yeah. half day at school, <laughs> early release, yeah, yeah. T- teacher's training day. Yes. Yes. I'm like, oh my God. Oh man. And then, uh, yeah. And we're getting ready to go to all in on, we're leaving Thursday, going yeah. to the AAW show. Guys, if anyone has Friday night tickets to AAW, please hit me up. Dude, hook your boys up, man. I mean, we're, we're willing to pay, man. There was a Reddit user. And I'm going to just call him out now. Grant 95 He hit me up, was like, you want to buy these tickets? I was like, yes, I do. We started talking. I don't know what happened. Maybe I asked him too many questions because he, he just stopped answering. I was not trying to get swindled, but and I'm not saying he, he was, but maybe I just annoyed him with my questions. I don't yeah. know, but like he just stopped talking to me. He probably sold the tickets and like I really wanted those tickets. And now I'm like, dang, now we're gonna have to like do something super touristy, like go to the Sears Tower or something, <laughs> go to Wrigley Field. Yeah, I don't know, eat at Geno's East or hang out at the Bean. Purple Pig, yeah, yeah, like I don't know, we're gonna find we'll, something to do. Yeah, we'll figure it out. And if you guys are you know in town, hit us up, hit me up on Twitter at Jeremy L. Donovan. Or, you know, on Facebook or whatever is easier for you, and we'll hang out. Make sure you guys are at our Q&A panel <laughs> at StarCast. We'll be right out the star, outside of the StarCast building. <laughs> no, we're on the main stage. We're right before Observer and right after... Uh, the, uh, like, Con- Eric Bischoff. Like, Eric Bischoff, yeah. <laughs> Eric Bischoff's opening for us. We're, we're co-main event. We're right before Observer. <laughs> yeah, no, we, we will not be at StarCast. We're not? But I bought us platinum bracelets. 
<laughs> I wanted to see the death of WCW like Q and A and like sit through like those guys talk about War Games '87. You wanted to see the uh, the Marty Skrull uh, concert? Yes, I wanted. Can we talk about that for a second? How come? I know we we mentioned. I know we talked about this last week, but like, how come like nothing from being the elite is like actually happening on All In, like? Why are we not getting a Marty Skrull concert? Like, it seemed like that everything was leading to that. Now we're not getting it. I was really looking forward to him to, like, do, like, oops, I did it again or, or something like that. Who knows? Maybe he will post-match. I don't think Especially don't if he pulls out a big win. He might beat Okada. You think he's going to beat Okada? I don't. Because, dude, the whole bill has been, like, he's the underdog. <laughs> and we already know what state of mind Okada's in. Like, Marty... Like, Marty could win. Everyone keeps telling him that he's effed. Right. And it's like, what if he beats Okada? Oh, my God. I don't think New Japan will let Okada do that, but that's going to be crazy. So, yeah, so we're, we are going to be in Chicago next week. When we come back, we'll be bringing you guys the latest coverage. We might even be doing some special episodes. Well, we're going to be in Chicago. We, we're hanging out with some other podcast friends of ours, so you never know. There might be yeah, some Yeah, you never know what's going to happen. Um, but we'll definitely keep you guys posted. We definitely want fan questions for that episode as well, definitely. And then when we... The week after that, we come back because we have, like, actual New Japan pro wrestling, right? Yeah, Road to Destruction. I, I can't come too soon. Oh, my God. Like, I'm, like, in withdrawals right now. I'm, like, like it was nice to have a break after G1, but now I'm, like, where's where's my New Japan? Yeah, like, I need to see a young boy match. I need to see yeah, Su- man, they, Suji and uh, Yumura. Like, they should have thrown us a little uh, Lionsgate show. They, they could have thrown us a Lionsgate show. They could have given us a little taste. Yeah. Give us a little taste. Give us a taste. Oh, man. You ready to uh, jump into news? Yeah, let's do it. So let's talk about the big, big news that everybody's been talking about. Um, Neville, a.k.a. Adrian Neville, a.k.a. the man Gravity Forgot, a.k.a. the man Vince Forgot, (laughs) a.k.a. Pac, Pac, is officially released from WWE. Free at last. Free at last. Free at last. Good God Almighty. He's free at last. He's free at last. <laughs> it is official. So, yeah, Neville, I don't know. I guess we're going to start have to start calling Pac. I guess so. I'm, I'm down with that. Like, yeah. you know, I want to call him Adrian Neville. I mean, I guess they, they dropped the Adrian. I'm guessing maybe he could copyright that. I don't know. Or but I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what it's going to be called. Like, it's been weird because he's been totally radio silent the entire time since his, like, departure from... When was that? Was that over a year ago? Uh, I think so, yeah. Like, when was that When was that whole thing where he got kicked in the dick by... Enzo? Enzo. Uh, I, don't, I don't even remember now. Yeah, I did a podcast uh, with, like... Uh, SMC right around that time and it seems like it feels like it was about a year ago well, it had to be time. I mean well SMC was still around and it wasn't Outsiders Edge yet Let so me see the cruiser WWE Cruiserweight Championship was that um, it was at a pay-per-view right was that was it after it had to be after Wrestlemania 33 was it Hell in a Cell I think so it, no it was later in the year remember right um, I'm gonna I'm gonna find it right now we'll, what I'm trying to think. Was it Survivor? It was TLC. TLC, okay. It was October. Gotcha. So we're like about eight months, essentially. So yeah, so they, they kept this dude on the shelf for about eight months. And, you know, there's been podcasts back and forth. You know, there's been analysts and 
different takes on the whole matter, the whole entire like legalese of the contract dispute and all that. This podcast, I don't think we're that kind of podcast where we're going to get into all that. But it does seem like a shame that for the last eight months, we haven't been able to see this guy work for whatever various reasons are out there. Right. Whether it be he was in the wrong, WWE's in the wrong, combination of the two. I'm not really a lawyer. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't, I think a lot of people think they know how these contracts work and all that. And I'm, I'm like, oh, I don't know. Like, I'm just honest. Everyone thinks they know, and I'm just honest about it. I'm like, I don't know. Like, because we really don't know. Yeah, we don't know what's, I mean, we can think that we know, and we can read all the dirt sheets and newsletters we want to, but honestly, we don't really know what's going on behind closed doors. But I do know that this guy's run was one of the only things in an entire year that I enjoyed in that company. I mean, his reign was fantastic. His work has always been fantastic, but that... That reign, that character that he was doing, the king. Yes, the king. Specifically. Yeah, king of the cruiserweights. That just freaking incredible. And now, like, he, he, might, he might be, like, he's going to be a free agent. Like, do you, what do you think is going to happen? You think, like, uh, you think he's fat? You think, like, he's, like, happy and he's just not wanting to perform anymore? I don't know. Or you like, think he's got the bug? I don't know. Obviously, I don't personally know him or his motivations in life and stuff like that. But just based off of the path that he's gone and the work that he's put in, I feel like he's the type of guy that just loves wrestling in general. And I I expect him that he's been working out this whole time and that he's going to be making an appearance somewhere where that's going to be. I'm I'm not sure, but I'm telling you, if I'm Ring of Honor, I'm signing I'm pulling whatever I can to sign Neville to a contract so that we can have Neville for MSG well you know this is a time where the changing wrestling landscape is just incredible right now I mean Mexico seems to be getting hotter by the day the European landscape is just like a wild wild west out there right now obviously with him being European like that whole field is wide open for him I'm sure every promoter in in Europe is wanting this guy to probably come work for them obviously Japan Pac's been in New Japan before Pac's been over in different uh, promotions in Japan so I mean that's not unfamiliar to him and I think given the current state of New Japan Pro Wrestling he would fit right in the mold I think they could find something perfect for him to do He, he can work that style yeah I mean I think yeah, he would be perfect in New Japan and but getting back to the Ring of Honor we mentioned this a couple weeks ago that's what I was about to say like, like they, they need to be starting to sign guys for that MSG show and just for their roster in general and creates top stars especially we don't know if Bullet Club is a Bullet Club elite is going to be leaving or not this year you know Cody said that they're going to be leaving together they're making their next move together him, Kenny and the Bucks um, so you know if they leave they, they need some star power and I think Neville would be a great guy to bring bring on to their roster, um, especially to have him for the MSG show. Well, I think that's the goal and that's the aim. But, you know, the whole entire U.S. scene is just changing so drastically and so quickly. Um, A couple years ago, it was like all about the super indies, you know, your AAWs, your CWF, Mid-Souths, you know, PWG, all these different like super indies. Um, And none of them had TV. And... Then, like, over the past year, it's, like, Impact's back. 
Lucha Underground, even though they're not thriving, they're around. Um, freaking MLW suddenly is a major player, and then Ring of Honor, obviously. And so, right. And I think you know you get all these streaming services. You know, everybody has their own streaming service, or they're partnering. You got Powerbomb TV. You have the WWN Club. You got your Honor Club. Um, and it seemed like you know what? It's funny you mentioned that. It seemed like probably about a year to two years ago. That's where, like, the battle lines seem like they're drawing, like, who's aligning with this service and who's aligning with this service and all that. Now it's not even so much that because some of that's with, like, Flow Slam kind of falling apart. It's not even that. It's, like, now it's this arms race. Who's going to get the next big TV deal? Right. That's the big – and so, like, a couple years ago, we used to think, like, kind of like Cody. Remember, Cody went on the indies and we were, or, like, Chris Hero came back or Alberto and these different guys. And we're like, dude, they're on the indies. And they were tra- making the towns, doing all that, building reputation for themselves so they could build up their brand. Suddenly, all of a sudden, it's like that's still a thing. But, like, with the Bucks and all them leaving, it's, it's sort of feeling like – Companies are coming back. Right. TV deals are coming back. And it's like, if you want to get a TV deal, you get a proven commodity. This is the kind of guy that you sign, especially with what's happening with, with like the MSG show and All In. So it's very, very, very exciting. We have no idea what Pac is going to do next. Right. I mean, he could show up at All In. He could be in the Battle Royal, get himself a Ring of Honor title shot. I think that there are people who think that's what's going to happen. Um, I would lose my mind if that happens. I don't know if it's like actually going to happen, but I mean, what bigger show could he in the near future could he like show up at now that he is totally cut ties with the company and free to work wherever he wants? Right. That would be just man. You wanna you wanna take a show where people are talking about like oh it's just a whatever show. You put Neville on that show. You put him up against Jay Lethal. You let him tear the house down. People are going to be talking about All In. Yeah. People are going to be talking about All In. <laughs> yeah. You put the... What did they put... Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying you should do this, but you put the Ring of Honor world title on the dude, and it's like, holy crap. Yeah, that totally changed the landscape. And, yeah. Um, yeah. So, like, certain guys have reacted to this. I know Will Ospreay's come out, and he immediately called Dibs and, as being the, the first guy to get a crack <laughs> at him. Yeah. Um, and we'll get more to that. I don't know if that's what's going to happen. But then um, suddenly, like, both sides of the Bull Club started, like, sending out kind of, like, teaser tweets. Like, um, I know Tama sent out a tweet that kind of— yeah, He posted, like, an Instagram pic of Neville. Yeah. Saying, like, what a heel or something like that. Hashtag firing squad. And then you had Marty and Matt Jackson at a toy store mm-hmm. holding up the WWE Neville action figure. So, Percentage-wise, out of, out of 100%, what do you think the chances are that in the next year we see Pac show up in the New Japan Pro Wrestling ring? Uh, if, if you had to give, like, a statistic, like, what do you, what do you think? What are you feeling? I want to say there's like a 70% chance. I wasn't sure I was going to go that quite high, but I'm feel I'm leaning that way. I'm leaning that way too. I feel like I feel like there there's a very good possibility simply because a guy his caliber with his kind of star level, he's going to go somewhere where he can A make an impact and B make a paycheck and C leave a legacy. Right. And I think, yeah, New Japan is probably the best place to do that. Yeah, and the thing is, too, if he did want to work, like, U.S. shows as well, or even Mexican shows, he's going to be able to do that. Right. Or or work European shows. I mean, they got the Ring of Honor partnership, they got the Rev Pro partnership, they got the CMLL partnership. Look at Will Ospreay. Dudes all over Europe. You know what I mean? Right. These guys can kind of do as they please, especially if Neville's, like, a part-time guy in New Japan. So I think that, given the wrestling landscape today... 
I think that you're probably right. I think a 70% like likelihood is a high likelihood. My only concern is kind of this. Um, and I'm not saying that everyone's this way, but in the wrestling world, you want to be on the biggest show and become the biggest star that you, you can be. And he's already been to the big show, which is WWE. And it didn't happen for him. And it seemed like they were in NXT propping him up to be something big, but as the story goes so many times, guys get to the main roster, they get lost in the shuffle, they don't right. have you know, anything for him. And um, he's a guy that I think a lot of hardcore fans still saw like that he could potentially do something big, and they just never really went with him in that capacity, you know what I mean? Right. Do you think that that could be demoralizing to someone who loves wrestling as much as him and is you know, as driven as him, where you get basically get told, no. Right, I mean, definitely, if, if your goal is WWE, a lot of times, yeah, there are some guys, you hear them, they're like, you know, why didn't you do indies? Like, well, WWE was my goal, that's where I wanted to be. Like, I feel like I would be like, on a lesser stage if I'm not in WWE, and I kind of feel like it's I'm lowering myself. So yeah. that that could be the situation. Again, we don't know Neville's uh, motivation, his thought, what he's going, what's going through his mind right now. Because, you know, a lot of guys are like that, and not, not even just like the that they want to be stars but it's and for some people it is that but you know you love wrestling you grow up you watch this product all the biggest stars are there it's the big it's where people say you need to go work you get there and it doesn't work right for whatever reason you know and i mean you could go the cody route and you could rebuild yourself and then hopefully come back you could go the chris hero route you could rebuild yourself get brought back and then get dumped on again right you could go the CM Punk route and just never come back. Yeah, there's, a, there's a lot of different there's options. There's a lot of ways that it could it can happen. Like you never can tell with a guy how that sort of situation is going to really affect them. Right. We we don't know if Pac's ever going to come back. To right. Really I mean, we're all excited and hope he does, but he could be like, yeah, I'm done. Yeah. However, I think now with the changing landscape, I think that that leaves a it's door more promising. Yeah, it's more promising. Leaves a door open. Like you can make big money on the independence you can make big money in new japan ring of honor outside of wwe so you know just like, like i said earlier based on just how much time and effort he's put into wrestling and just how good he is i would i think i feel like he's going to come back i i hope so i i really 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 hope so so um yeah we'll get to the rest of the news did you have any final thoughts about you know neville's return pox return like I said, I, I, I hope to see him come back to the ring. I'll, I think I would love to see him in Ring of Honor and or New Japan. So so we have a, a wide variety of news. We're going to get right to it. So we have three different um, wrestling-related deaths uh, this past week, and all three of them are pretty tragic. Um, the two that are probably a little lesser known, um, former Joshi star Aaliyah, um, was, who was battling stomach cancer. She just recently passed away. That was something that was uh, confirmed on um, Sumi Sakai's Twitter. And then... Um, Chris Champion, who I'm not as familiar with his work, but I've heard a lot of people talking about him. He also passed away this uh, past week, and the details seem to be pretty scarce on his passing. Um, and then the big, you know, media story, uh, Viano Three, who of you know Mexico and CMLL fame, uh, died at the age of 69 this past week as well. Um, 
I don't know if you did you hear about I know you probably heard about the Viano thing. Yeah, I've, I've heard about all, all those deaths. Uh, oh, really? Yeah. Between, you know, Voices of Wrestling, Wrestling Observer. I just heard about Aaliyah today, personally. Uh, I was not as familiar with her work, but uh, it, it appears that she had um, like stage four, I think it was stomach cancer. Yeah, I think it was, yeah. And um, when she found out it was terminal, apparently she when she stopped her chemo because she loved wrestling so much when she found out it was terminal and she wouldn't be able to do anything about it she wanted to build up enough strength to have a final like series of matches so she did that instead of getting treatment essentially which is pretty crazy <laughs> yeah yeah um but yeah, I mean, for those who are, I'm sure like Sierra and like the people over at like uh, Ring Bells Roundup, they right. probably are familiar with Leah's work. Um, with Viano, th- with Chris Champion, I'm not too familiar. I know that he was in various tag teams over the years, and that's right. Yeah, I'm not yet. Yeah, I wasn't really too familiar with his work. Uh, Viano three, though, obviously, I think. Um, have you seen the match with him in Atlantis, the famous match? No, I think you've you've told me about it, but yeah. I haven't had a chance to watch it yet. Yeah, so that's that's um, a very very famous match. You know, Viano three is probably regarded, I would say, as the most successful in terms of like single star run of all five of the Vianos, him and his brothers. Um, you know, he did pass away this past week. He was literally just working shows like a few weeks ago recently. Wow, that's yeah. crazy. Um, looking into it, it seemed like maybe he had a stroke, but it's I'm not really a coroner or like a doctor so it's hard to tell based on the verbiage um but yeah i mean the his his runs through uwa and cmll they're pretty famous um i'm not obviously this is not a you know uh lucha libre podcast (laughs) so we're not the most knowledgeable on this stuff um but i will always remember the mask versus mask match from uh, arena mexico in 2000 Uh, it's the only lucha libre match ever to win the wrestling observer uh newsletters match of the year award uh which really does say something and there are many fans who feel that that is the greatest lucha libre match in the history of lucha libre so um i don't know that i agree with that but it's a great match um, you want to definitely check it out if you get a chance. Check out the work of Viano 3. And, uh, you know, it's kind of crazy. It seems like every week now we're starting to cover. Like, yeah, man. It's, it's getting rough, man. I hate having to have these kind of news, this stuff to cover in the news every week. And it's, yeah, sometimes like it's big names too. But, uh, you know, our thoughts and condolences go out to their families. And, uh, yeah, it's crazy. Um, yeah, and other news. So we've got news coming out, uh, sticking with the Mexico uh, theme. There's a lot of news coming out of Mexico this past week. Um, you know, I didn't check in with you this weekend. Did you, did you watch Triple Mania? I did not watch Triple Mania. I saw some of the gifts that were flying around of Bandito and um, some of the other guys that were doing some crazy spots. But I heard it was, you know, a pretty entertaining show. Yeah, I mean, that's good to hear, you know, compared to like last the last couple of years where I've heard that the shows weren't so great right you know um one interesting tidbit uh so alberto patron was supposed to be on the show and he pulled out the last minute which was i want to say unexpected but at this point it's one of those things where it is expected almost right you know um for whatever reason so yeah alberto left them kind of in the lurch again um with triple mania um El Hijo del Fantasma, who lost his mask. Yeah, yeah, in the main event, he also plays. Uh, oh my God, what's his name? He's the freaking hunter in uh, in Lucha Underground. What's wrong with me? Uh, I'm not that familiar with all the Lucha Underground guys, so I, I'm not sure who you're talking about. 
I'll find it. <laughs> Anyways, El Hijo del Fantasma. He like he lost his mask to in the uh, Fatal King, Four. King Cuerno. Oh, King Cuerno. Okay. Yeah, so he plays King Cuerno. So he lost his mask in a Fatal Four Way. Um, in the main event, it came, I believe it came down to him and, and LA, LA Park. Park. Yep. So yeah, and I've you know I've, I kind of figured that that's probably where they're going. He seemed like the the correct guy to go with in that scenario. Um, also, uh, Ray Phoenix won the uh, AAA Mega Championship from Jeff Jarrett. Jeff Jarrett. Mm-hmm. So a couple different news stories coming out of Mexico. Triple Mania seems to be a successful show. It's gaining, getting a lot of attention and kind of getting a lot of a lot more eyes on the AAA product. In recent years, it seems like CMLL's kind of been the show with it being so accessible on Fridays. Right. But more and more people are starting to tune into both of these products, which is kind of cool. Um, aside from that, so we know that the that CMLL's anniversary show is coming up uh, very shortly, and we've been talking about it for a while that they're going to be running the uh, LA Park versus Roosh match, and it's not happening. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what the whole scenario is there, but I think it has something to do with, you know... Well, they they already announced the main event for next year's Triple Mania. Um, L.A. Park against uh, Dr. Wagner Jr., I believe, Mask vs. Mask. They did? Yeah, so L.A. When did they do that? At Triple Mania. They, they shot an angle at the end. So they're doing it a whole year in advance. Right. Wow. So L.A. Park didn't want to lose his mask to Roosh, and I guess Roosh doesn't want to lose his hair, so I guess they couldn't come to terms on who's going over in that match, so they just scrapped it. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the first real key indicators was when they uh, basically started releasing the tickets and they were much lower than the cost of the tickets was much lower than expected for a big money match like that because they're expecting based on the projections is going to be one of the largest gates that they've ever done like sort of similar to the Atlantis versus Ultimo Guerrero mask versus mask match Um, so that was kind of a key indicator and then yeah it seems like there was a lot of um, different uh, politics in play like you mentioned I think also the fact that this triple A mask you know this four way mask match also played a factor in them deciding not to do the LA Park versus Roosh match and then I'm sure money had a lot to do with it like it's it's hard to tell what with these sorts of stories what's right. going on but um, it, it does seem kind of crazy because they built that match for like since May yeah and they've done plenty of six mans they've and, done so much uh, to build to their matches it, and yeah it's not gonna happen so it's kind of like you just wonder like are they striking at the, like are they just wasting time you know like this seems like the right time to pull the trigger on this match and they're just gonna let it drift out there you know You're right so that's kind of crazy um the, the anniversary show main event which has been announced is going to be Matt Taven versus Volador Jr versus Roosh versus Barbaro Cavernario um it's a tag t- actually I'm sorry it's not a four way it's t- uh, Taven and Volador versus Roosh and uh, Cavernario best two out of three falls Lucha de Espuetes uh, so it's a hair versus hair match which probably is going to be great just all four of those guys yeah it's yeah. probably going to be fantastic but um, yeah very 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 surprised that we're not getting Roosh in uh, LA Park so um, during that same night um, we talked last week about how Impact is going to be running their first ever shows out of Mexico their TV tapings and um, they're going to run head to head with the anniversary show yeah, that's very interesting, especially, you know, the last few months, Pentagon Jr. and Ray Phoenix have been, 
you know, weekly stars for Impact, and you know, Pentagon's in a big feud with Sammy Callahan right now. Um, so it's very interesting that you know the, these guys are booked for CMLL, and apparently they're supposed to be booked for Impact as well. Um, from what from what I'm hearing, they're both of the buildings are in close enough location where you know maybe. Uh, Pentagon and Phoenix work the opener of CMLL and they drive over to the impact tapings or vice versa. Huh. So it's uh, very interesting. So in um, the last bit of Mexico related news, this coming Friday, August 31st, 2018, uh, LIJ is going to be in Arena Mexico for CMLL. The right. return of Naito. Um, he'll be teaming with Roosh as well as... Uh, Sonata? Nope. Bushi? Bushi. And Evil is going to be their valet, so he'll be there. I think he's – I heard he might be injured, but he'll be on the outside, and uh, they'll be working some six-man tag action. So, you know, definitely want to check that out if you get a chance. Those Friday night – don't sleep on those CMLL shows on yeah, Friday nights. Yeah, check them out. Now that we can watch it in, in Japanese, too, <laughs> New Japan World's yeah, awesome. Yeah. Um, in other news, just kind of jumping around here. So, um, tonight – Will Ospreay is uh, taking on Jimmy Havoc. It's Jimmy Havoc, right? Jimmy. Jimmy. Jimmy Bloody Havoc. <laughs> uh, Progress 75, two out of three falls match. It's one of the most storied robberies in the Progress uh, mythos. This is supposed to be like the big blow-off to their you know, long, long, long storied rivalry. So if you get a chance, you probably want to check that out. Looks like it's going to be something kind of violent. Also, last night, Will Ospreay took on Walter in Defiant Wrestling, and from all accounts, I think it's the first time they've ever met. And from all accounts, it seemed like it was supposed to be like a fan, like a blowaway match, is what people are calling it. No, I'm not surprised. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, I definitely, when I get a chance, want to check that out for sure. Um, you know, um, we've got a lot of Chris Jericho news this week. This guy just stays in the media. So, I mean, there was um, some news actually dropped a couple weeks ago, but I kind of forgot to mention it, that um, he had actually pitched an Intercontinental Champion versus Intercontinental Champion match to Vince McMahon a few weeks ago. Right. For SummerSlam. For SummerSlam. Yeah, he won him versus uh, Seth Rollins, WWE IC champ versus the IWGP IC champ. Which, like, I'm assuming he wouldn't have been able to defend or display New Japan's title. But, like, it almost seems like to do that angle, you would need to do that. So do you think that he was, like, actually thinking of bringing the, the New Japan's belt on WWE Yeah, he talked about this on Wrestling Observer Radio with okay. uh, Dave Meltzer. Um, and he was, you know, saying, you know, he called Vince up and was like, hey, you know, I got this idea. IC Champ versus IC Champ. Um, he was like, you know, my whole plan, like, I want to get Vince's buy-in first. And then I'll just go to New Japan and be like, hey, this is what we're going to do. And he's like, you know, we didn't have to do a clean finish. Like, whoever's going to feed Seth next could have ran in. Or we could have some kind of, like, double, you know, knockout, KO, count out, whatever kind of finish. So, yeah, man. He's out here finesse. Yeah, man. He was trying to finesse, get that, that payday and get that match on SummerSlam. I also saw recently where he was uh, quoted as saying, like, great matches really don't matter. Yeah, he talked about that. Basically uh, just great characters and great stories. That was all on Wrestling Observer. He talked about that, I think, on his show, and then he mentioned it again on Wrestling Observer hmm. um, on the interview was this weekend with Dave. He's like, yeah, great matches really don't matter at the end of the day. It's, you know, having a great story, being able to suck the fans in. He's like, once you suck the fans in, then you have them. Wow. Well, those are great points. So, uh, you know, if you get a chance, check out uh, Y2J, Chris Jericho, R, 
intercontinental champion. <laughs> We're still wondering if he's ever going to come back with the belt. He took it to America, take it away from the filthy animals. Maybe he'll defend it on the on the cruise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> um, in international waters. Yeah. Yeah. Um, also, a uh, sad bit of news. So, Akira Taui who is one of the four pillars of All Japan Pro Wrestling, legend of Purezu, um, recently broke the news that he just recently underwent surgery for stomach cancer, uh, the same thing that I guess Aaliyah was also dealing with. Um, so we wish him a speedy recovery. We hope that he makes a full recovery. And, uh, yeah, it's uh, tough to see some of these legends just keep, you know. Breaking down, yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, Akira Taui, I mean, some of the great, he's some of the greatest tag team matches I've ever seen involve him in them so um you know rest easy get better champ um we've got uh ring of honor news as well as all in news so chase owens has been um confirmed for death before dishonor you gave me a stat like yeah i think this is like the first time i think it's either like seven or eight years that chase owens will be working for ring of honor wow long overdue yeah he's the crown jewel ladies and gentlemen (laughs) (laughs) um also ring of honor announced uh the global wars tours and dates they will be taking place in november 7th uh the 7th the 8th the 9th and the 11th once we have more uh specific details on those shows we will bring them to you and bring you all the greatest coverage we can on that um also it was uh, the spoiler alert if you watch ring of honor television um it has been confirmed that jay lethal will be defending the ring of honor world title against will osprey at death before dishonor in the main event yeah which yeah apparently like, uh yeah like i mentioned spoiler alert you know jay lethal he gets a, a promo where he does an open challenge and they play a video of osprey answering the open challenge Wow. So, I mean, yeah, I was kind of wondering, like, who they would put him up against next. I, For some reason, I don't know where I heard this. I thought that they were going to do a story with him and uh, uh, the belt collector. Oh, Austin Aries? Austin Aries, but yeah. I guess they're not going that way. Um, uh, but, you know, I don't watch. I will say this. You had Ring of Honor on the other day, and the production quality looked vastly better than it has in a while. Yeah. So, hopefully, maybe some of this, uh, this MSG money is uh, starting <laughs> to boost things up. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's pretty crazy. That's a match I'm actually really looking forward to. Yeah, like, that's going to be good. Yeah. Um, and we'll see how that gets affected because you never know. Jordan Grace could be the ROH title. <laughs> she could be the champion after this weekend. Yeah, thick mama pump. <laughs> um, um, going over some all-in news. So there, um, this past week, uh, Cody was being interviewed, and he actually talked about how they that Matt Jackson made us specific and very real offer to CM Punk to either wrestle, show up, or just be involved with All In. Um, Now, according to the report, none of that is set to happen, and I'm going to guess with the given situation with the lawsuits and everything right now, that's probably the case. Right. But that being said, um, very, very, very interesting, especially since he came out, you know, right before his UFC fight and said... I haven't talked to anybody. No one's made me any offers. No one said, like, here's this, you do this. And then all of a sudden it turns around and Cody's like, oh, we made him an offer. What do you think about that? Kayfabe, pal. <laughs> Who, who's working? I think Punk was trying to work, trying to protect the business. You think so? <laughs> yeah. He don't care about the business. <laughs> <laughs> well, trying to, you know, trying to keep the surprise in if he was going to do it, you know? Yeah, I mean, who knows? I mean, what do you think at this point? How do you think people would react? Uh, I think it might get mixed reactions. 
considering Colt Cabana is also a Chicago boy. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it'll be a mixed reaction. Whew, that'd be crazy. Um, also, I saw this week, I don't know if you saw this, Cody, uh, da- like, gave a tease of the belt that he's going to, the uh, weight belt. belt he's yep. going to be wearing. Mm-hmm. It looks awesome. Yeah. So it says, like, uh, do the work. Yeah. And the do is the black and yellow polka dots. And then it says the, and it's gold with silver trim. So for, like, gold dust, and then work is the American flag kind of tattered. So, like, for the American uh, nightmare. nightmare. And then in, on the very front, it just says Rhodes. And I was like, oh. <laughs> I was like, that's awesome, yes. dude. Like, he can't, he can't be announced as Rhodes, but, but he can put it on, he his, can put belt. It on his belt. So that's, that's really, really, really awesome. Um, another maybe shocking bit of news, I think for the first time since we've been doing this show, no being the elite this week. Yeah. I guess they're so busy getting, you know, ready for all in. Yeah. Yeah, but that's kind of crazy. It seems like every week on Monday, like almost like clockwork, there's always a being the right. elite. Just double checking my phone to make sure I didn't like. Pop. I check. I already checked, bro. Yeah, I checked. Yeah. So then let's get to the meat and potatoes here. So we we covered all this other jabroni news. <laughs> let's talk about New Japan Pro Wrestling, okay? Yeah. So we got some big news this past week that the Junior Tag League is gonna be in a block format this year, not a single elimination. Uh, Jeremy, are you ready for that? Yeah, I'm actually kind of excited because I want to see who they're go- <laughs> who they're gonna bring in for this thing. I really don't think that I'm ready for it. To be honest with you, like I'm like, dude, we just got done with the block tournament. I did not think we were doing another block tournament until December, and now it's like, oh, like in like a month or two, we were gonna be like, <laughs> <laughs> and when that's over. We'll go right into another tag. Like, World Tag League, World yeah. Tag League. So um, I'm very excited, though, to see who's going to be in the Junior Tag League this year. I'm assuming they're going to have to bring people in. Like, Yeah, they're going to have to. I mean, they always do. Right, but, but I think it's like going to be year, a lot of outside teams. Thinking, I think they're only doing like seven or eight teams, and I think it's a one-block tournament. I, th- I don't think it's going to be uh, two blocks or anything, or anything like that. So they're just doing round-robin then. Yeah, it's a gotcha. it's a single block tournament. From what I understand, I could be I could have misinformation. Um, I don't know how much of it's even going to be showing up on World either. So we, right. we don't have enough information yet to go off that. I I bet you they'll probably tape the block matches and then just put them. Put up. Well, yeah, yeah, probably. that makes that makes sense. Um, also, this past week, SportsIllustrated.com did an incredible write up on Tanahashi, just a profile on him, his history, and his G one win. So um, if you get a chance, check that out. Uh, we also have some really cool news. So, Lions Break Project One, which is coming to the U.S., Jushin Thunder Liger is confirmed for that show. Awesome. So, I'm guessing we're probably gonna get like, I'd say like probably Kawado and Liger. <laughs> oh yeah. Something like that. Yeah. So we'll see, but yeah, Liger's gonna grump, grumpy old, you know, me. Shote some young boys. Yeah, it's gonna be Shotang guys. So that's gonna be great. Um, did you have a bit of news there? It looks like no, no. I was just oh. getting, I was just gonna. Where you're pulling out your, where <laughs> no. you're pulling out your phone? I'm like, oh, Jeremy's in position. He's got no, some. no, no. <laughs> uh, the free match of the week this week is uh, Bad Luck Fale versus uh, Nakamura from the Destruction in Kobe Tour in 2014 for the IC Heavyweight Title. Is that the match for uh, Nakamura? Nope. That the, the the match where he got his nose busted. That's the. Um, 
the tournament, the first, uh, the New Japan Cup. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, but this this match, you know, if you get a chance, you probably want to check it out. If you haven't seen Nakamura in New Japan in a while and you want to get your fix on that, great. If you want to see uh, Fale have a competitive match, <laughs> great. If you just want to see the white IC title in a New Japan ring again and you need your fix on that. There you go. I think those are the three reasons that they put this <laughs> matchup. Um, we also had some, um, some young lion sightings this past week. So... Um, Katsuya Kitamura uh, po- has been posting on his Instagram talking about his evolution and his comeback. I know we've said that before, but he's kind of been radio silent for a while, and all of a sudden he start- he's posting again. I'm hoping that maybe this is an indicator of a comeback. Yeah, I mean, I would love to see Kitamura back, man. He was just starting to like catch on fire before he left or got injured or whatever the heck happened. So, yeah, hopefully this is a sign that he will be coming back to New Japan. Uh, along with that, he's still listed as an active competitor on the website. So I'm hoping that that's an indication, given all the shadiness of what happened when he took his sabbatical or was let go or whatever you want to call it, that there's a chance he'll be coming back. So I'm still optimistic about that. Um, also, Harai Kawato was um, recently spotted on Instagram. He now is sporting a um, blonde mohawk, I believe, or blonde hair, as well as a beard. It's a very interesting look, very different. I haven't seen that picture yet, so I'm going to check it out after we get done recording. But, yeah, yeah. Kawato, man. Yeah, Kawato. I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see him back, man. He's been in CMLL for a while now, so interesting to see what he's learned over there. For those of you who are interested in going to King of Pro Wrestling and your foreigners, the foreign tickets have gone on sale as of 10 a.m. earlier today, August 27th. So those are on sale now. Hopefully they haven't all sold out by the time you hear this. If you're going to be in Japan, you want to attend those shows, definitely check that out. And then uh, the last bit of news. So um, Kevin Kelly was on the Foreign Aces podcast, which is a podcast I've never heard of before, but I really enjoyed it. And a lot of times when I listen to New Japan podcasts, I won't bury them on the show, but I also won't shout them out really unless I think it was good. This was a very, very good podcast. Um, and I'll say so because Kevin Kelly, man, he's a great interviewer, Like, kind of like how Chris was for us on this yeah. show. Really just kind of... Did you get a chance to check that out? No, you, t- you told me about it today. Bro, yeah. you've got to check this out. And, like, I'm not just going to tell you to check it out. Like, Kevin's, like, uh, transparency and, like, r- you know, just openness about what they do and what he does is really awesome. He talked about, you know, how much information is given to them as, like, uh, you know as foreign commentators he talked about the agenda that's coming up with the the fact that they're going to be doing some overdubs for some of the uh classic content he kind of gave some more um explanation to what that specifically means and what that's going to be uh he talked about traveling with the wrestlers he talked about a lot of different things where i was like wow this is a short short interview maybe 30 45 minutes very insightful I would really highly check it out. I think it's on the New Japan Pro Red, uh, the New Japan Reddit as well. Okay, there's a link there. So if you guys get a chance, big recommend uh, to that. And then the big news this week uh, for New Japan was all about um, Fighting Spirit Unleashed. So we had two real big pieces of news. Uh, the first one has to do with Kevin Kelly. Yeah, so Kevin Kelly is going to be doing the commentary alongside good old JR Jim Ross. No Josh Barnett. 
So the commentary is going to be half good for this show. <laughs> <laughs> I did see where someone was like, uh, you know, tweeting Josh and they're like, it's BS that you got taken off of access. And he's like, I didn't get taken off access. He's like, I'm cornering one of my fighters in Japan that weekend and I couldn't get out of it. So they had to find a replacement for me. So it does, you know, for those of you who are like ready to go out and get, get access, <laughs> Kevin Kelly's going to be on there. I don't think that's what's happening. Right. It's a, it's a one time deal. Uh, well, we don't know. Yeah. I mean, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see. But, I mean, the fact that they're bringing Kevin Kelly on to do the commentary, I think that's a step in the right direction. A big step in the right direction. Now, here's the thing. I would have much rather had Kevin Kelly and Josh Barnett. And instead, we're getting Kevin Kelly and Jim Ross. Right. How do you think that's going to work? I mean, those guys know each other. They've worked together before. Have they? It, in WWE? Yeah. I kind of don't remember. I mean, I'm sure it wasn't like anything major. I'm sure it was like kind of like Superstars or Jack kind of stuff. Or, you know, Kelly was on Raw maybe one time when it, King couldn't just, make I it. It's I think of them both as color commentators. Right. Like, or, I'm sorry, play-by-play, right? Right. That's the, the lead. Yeah, the play-by-play, yeah. They're both play-by-play, and so I'm like, neither of them is really like color. So, I mean, how is that? I just feel like it's going to be a weird dynamic, especially yeah. given how passionate Kevin is and how disinterested like well, Jim is. I'm hoping that Kevin's passion will kind of overflow into JR. I don't and, know. And JR gets, you know, hyped off of Kevin. Now, here's the last bit of news that is just very strange. This is not going to air live on Axis like we thought it was going to. Right. So the show is happening, I believe, September 30th, and it's not going to air until uh, Friday, October 6th. Yeah, and I'm. I hope we've, we don't have enough info yet. I want to look more into this, but I'm like... So what happens? Like, a show happens a week prior, and we don't get to see it, but, like, we're probably going to get spoiled on it, you know? Right. I'm, I'm sure I mean, there are other companies who do this, like WWE and Ring of Honor and stuff, but I'm not used to that with New Japan. Not being able to watch a show for a week? That just seems absurd to me. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure when it's going to go up on New Japan World. Yeah, that's what I'm wondering. I'm like, is, is it going to be on New Japan World? What do you, I wonder what happened there. Like, did they just not think it was worth it to pay for it to be covered live? Like, why do the show? During- right. and, and, you know, like, I think this is going to be a smaller show just based on, like... The way they're the, treating the, it. The matches. Stuff. I mean, no offense to Cody and Juice Robinson, but it's the U.S. title. Look at the other main events that we've had it's, on this. That's not a major match. Right. That's like, not a, there's no... There's like, no I love both words. of those guys, but that's not, like, a marquee match that you, you throw money at to get a live coverage on it. Yeah. So... I mean, I, I guess you could look at it one way where, where like, potentially they were looking to... I don't know, maybe like gain a measure of foothold. And what I mean by that was like they did Walter Pyramid earlier in the year and they did a big match as the main event. Now maybe you can do a smaller match and hope to gain similar numbers so that you create like a baseline. Of, right, of, create a little fan base. like. Yeah, but I'm, I'm, I'm still kind of critical of this entire thing. I don't know if it's the right way to go. Um, but, you know, I'm not Harold... May. May. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not Harold May, and I'm not, you know, one of these guys working on foreign expansion, so I couldn't tell you specifically. But with that being the case, um, yeah, it's just very strange, man. I, I don't know how I feel. Actually, I do know how I feel about that. I think that kind of sucks. Oh, a week's delay to watch a U.S. show, especially when it's going to be happening at the same time that, like, we're 
able to watch television and you know tune in. Right, and that's gonna, I'm sure that's going to mess up like our recording plan too, because I'm sure that felt like felt in right into a week of something to cover. So yeah, and it's like, what are we going to do? What are we going to do next week? Like not or like that week? Like not tell people what happened? <laughs> We're not even going to be able to see it. So very strange. I mean, I a tape delay for a New Japan show that just seems wrong. Uh, yeah. Oh, man. But, yeah, that's um, not the craziest news week in the world. But uh, any final thoughts? No, man. I'm just ready for All In. I am. I Yeah. Like, I haven't even been thinking about All In really um, too much. But now, like, we're right around the corner. Right few, few days, you know, I'm off for the rest of the week. You are? Yeah. From right now? Yeah. Why do you always have so much time off, man? Dude, I got uh, 20 PTO days at the start of the year, man. Really? Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, I need to do what you do. <laughs> so, yeah, so, um, but yeah, we're going to be out there Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then leaving Sunday. If you guys are going to be at All In, drop us a link, slide into the DMs. Hit us up. Hit yes, us up. we want to meet you guys. We want to meet you guys. We, you know, we want to hang out. We're going to be at the after parties. We're going to be out there late, you know, out in them streets, you know what I'm saying? Sliding, you know what I'm saying? But uh, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a great time. We're gonna see a lot of great wrestling, and um, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm super excited for it. So yeah, it's gonna be great. And also, again, thanks to Chris Charlton for coming on the show, taking the time out to talk with us about his books, his projects, his awesomeness. Um, just his poise, his incredible accent, like, <laughs> just so intelligent. Like, yeah. I'm like, man, it, I want to, when I grow up, I want to be like you, Chris. Like, yeah, he's seriously. awesome. <laughs> yeah, man, go follow that man on Twitter, buy his books on Amazon. Yes, absolutely. Listen, you guys will not regret if you do. If you if you got and you buy that, it will do nothing but enrich your fandom and your knowledge of the, of the sport. So, trust me, you want to invest in those books. They're awesome. Yeah. So uh, next week we'll be back with all-in coverage. We'll have plenty of stories from our time in Chicago, and we'll go over kind of the results of all-in, what we thought overall about the show. And so, yeah. So thank you guys again for listening to Keeping It Strong Style. Make sure you connect with us on social media. On Twitter, I'm at Jeremy L. Donovan. The show is at KI Strong Style. And Social Suplex is at Social Suplex. On Facebook, we are Facebook.com slash Social Suplex. You can join us in the Wrestling Squared Circle Facebook group, Facebook.com slash groups slash Wrestling Squared Circle. On Reddit, I am the Pro Black Guy. Josh is keeping it strong style. Make sure you check out all the other shows on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. We have One Nation Radio, hosted by Rich Latta and James Boyd. And you can also check those guys out on Lords of Pain. That's right, they're doing two shows now. One will be on Lords of Pain, but they will still be right here on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Congratulations, boys. So check those guys out. The Ricky and Clive Wrestling Show had a lot of fun on their show last week covering SummerSlam and coming doing the quiz. So check out Ricky and Clive, The Outsider's Edge, featuring Rance, Carl, and Kyle. And of course, our podcast dedicated to independent wrestling, Grown Men Watch This Shit, which you were on last week, hosted by uh, Jeremy Tate and Chris Bryant. Yeah, I believe they will 
probably be wanting us to come back and do some sort of correspondence after our trip as well, so. Oh, great. Well, we'll get uh, connected with those guys, and yeah, be on the lookout. We might be on their show. So don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating and review. Until next time, goodbye and good night. Bang. Thank you for listening to Keeping It Strong Style. We'll see you next time. See you next time. See you next time. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.